I met him. <laughs> I met him, Shanlin. I want grandma. I'm definitely peeking my microphone. <laughs> I can I can see it. <laughs> That's okay, cause I'm Hubie uh, from uh, the world famous movie Hubie's Halloween, starring Adam Sandler. I talk like this the whole runtime, and I have over fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, okay, so Hubie Halloween, he <laughs> plays like a. Does he play a character, or does he just play Adam Sandler in it? Um, that, he plays. He plays a character. But it is right. a character that is like a Frankenstein's monster of just Adam Sandler tropes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so okay. really, it makes it a scarier movie because like psychologically, he is a monster while dealing with monsters. Yeah. But there's actually, there's a, okay, so this is a kind of a spoiler, but towards like the end of the movie, he like breaks the fourth wall and he goes, uh, theme song? Because this is the Motion Pixels Podcast. Um, (laughs) uh, So this week, as you may have noticed, uh, I did watch Hubie Halloween. So we'll be talking about Halloween movies. I've watched 14 uh, of my 31 Halloween movies for this movie. Ooh, you're behind. I'm behind. Yeah, we're recording this on the 16th. I'm two behind, which is typical, you know, but I'll do I'll do some marathons on the weekends. I just have movies on all the time. I'll, I'll put on, you know, I'll put on Get Out. I've seen Get Out like 12 times. Uh, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, much like Hubie and how he figures out how to protect the town from monsters on Halloween. But that's besides the point, uh, because this week we'll also be talking about uh, Hades, which... Uh, is an awesome game that we talked about before uh, when it was in early access. And uh, Dane and I have been playing the shit out of it, so we're going to touch on that. Uh, allegedly, Dane has also been playing the shit out of Vermintide 2, or as he put it, uh, <laughs> killing rats with hammers, the game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll be talking about that. Uh, Matthew has been strapped in, ready to go uh, in Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, with his sick uh, VR setup. So uh, we'll be touching on that. And what's funny is that Dane has no idea what Star Wars Squadrons is. He was like, I what's don't. that? He didn't even use an Adam Sandler voice, but he sounded so dumb when he said that. Uh, we'll also- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because uh, Dane is here, the recurring segment, uh, Talk and Tea with Uncle Dane, I guess. Uh, is I think that's the name of the segment. Uh, we'll be talking tea. F2's Halloween update. Uh, and also, I hadn't played a Halloween update in like eight to ten years, and uh, it was a lot. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that. Um, so, uh, boys, uh, what do you want to start with? Uh, well, let's talk Hubie's Halloween first. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I want to hear about let's this. Let's continue on what we were talking about at the beginning. Because yeah. I don't. I only heard briefly about it just like being a Netflix Adam Sandler movie. And I've been tricked before by netflix and adam sandler when i watched uh when i watched that movie where he played like a, a hollywood agent you know what i'm talking about Mm-mm. he played like uh, hollywood Sandy agent. yes yeah where he played uh, he like did, apparently he played a real person but he was pretty much just doing a character the entire time and uh i don't know i was tricked into it because i didn't realize that it was a happy madison movie 
and I didn't realize that it was just <laughs> Adam Sandler doing his shtick. I, I mean, like, I let's back up first. I'm not a huge fan of Adam Sandler's movies. I like him as a person. I think that he's great. I just don't like the movies he chooses to do most of the time. <laughs> uh, they're almost always just like work for him. He just like clocks in, goes to work, says lines, and then goes home. Uh, and I think that that's really lazy and annoying and it's stupid that people go and watch them just because he made them. <laughs> uh, and I thought maybe when I, when I turned that movie on, I was like watching it with Austin and we were like, oh, cool. Adam Sandler might have finally done some work. You know, he finally like went above and beyond and like put on a wig and did a character for once instead of just like in pixels where he's just like playing himself. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I know how to play Pac-Man. <laughs> like he's just not a character, and and then the movie sucked. Like it was still bad, and that was just and it made me realize, oh, just because he's playing a character doesn't mean it's good. I mean, like look at the movie where he's like a hairdresser. He's like a oh my offensive, god, uh, don't mess with the Zohan. Yeah, where he's like an offensive gay like foreign stereotype, <laughs> and like everybody thinks that it's fine. I don't like yeah, I that's, that's another really that's movie. another crazy thing is that like how does he get away with being like racist and and offensive and homophobic all the time like that was the tail end of the like the 2000s when he yeah. could still get away with No, that. I mean yeah, he I still gets away with it. I mean look and at like what? He can't keep getting away with this. Like okay, a good example is like Jack and Jill, right? Like I've I've Dude, seen that the movie. movie is so bad. Yeah, I know. I but just like, watched it. <laughs> there's so many like racist jokes in it, especially at the like expensive Mexicans. And it's because, yeah. and I think that the reason why they were able to kind of get away with it in Jack and Jill for the most part, and nobody really talked, when people talk about Jack and Jill, I was just like, yeah, the movie just wasn't very funny, but nobody talks about like how like low brow the movie is like terribly low brow. Like it's just not funny. Like I'm fine with like making jokes at the expense of like stereotypes if it's funny. Right. He's just like, there was just a Mexican guy in the movie where he's just like, I just, I just jumped over the border. <laughs> like, Is it played by Rob Schneider? If I remember. No, correctly? no, I really wish it okay. was because there were a lot of other older, like Adam Sandler movies where Rob Schneider always showed up and he was like a foreigner. Um, but anyway, Woof. I'm getting, I'm, I've mentioned like six or seven fucking Adam Sandler movies by now. Anyway, <laughs> I'm done with his shtick. If he plays a character, I'm not interested. If he plays a, uh, himself I'm not interested the only time that I was actually caught off guard recently of course was in one of my favorite movies of all time now which is uh, uh, I'm blanking what is it Uncut Gems yes Uncut Gems so good I've seen it like three times in the last like since it came out I want to watch it again Uh, but obviously he didn't have anything to do with the writing of that movie he's just a good actor which is another one of the reasons why I, I like him and I really wish he would just make better movies but clearly just doesn't care. He just wants to clock in and clock out and go home. Um, Dane, all I'm hearing is that you like Adam Sandler movies where his eyes shrink. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the defining <laughs> that's that your is, criteria. Yeah, that is a huge criteria for me you know, with Adam Sandler movies. Anyway, I'm assuming he, when I heard about Hubie Halloween, I was like assuming because it's on Netflix, which is like quickly becoming the straight to DVD equivalent yeah, big time. Uh, of the internet. <laughs> uh, I just kind of assumed that it was the new. Adam Sandler shtick where he shoot, he clocked in, but he's doing a character this time. Uh, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, I watched it. I watched Hubie Halloween uh, because my criterium for uh, the Halloween grab bag 
2020 is uh, quite a low bar uh, in terms of being a Halloween horror, you know, what have you movie. Uh, so I did watch it. Um, I did enjoy it. And uh, yeah, so first of all, I took... <laughs> I took notes, just not not detail, just to <laughs> took jog notes my of Hubie Halloween. <laughs> before wait, 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 before before we get, I just want to preface to the audience that before we started podcasting, he said, "I think people are talking about it because it's like not totally terrible, just kind of like how the wrong Missy wasn't totally terrible. <laughs> the wrong Missy was funny. <laughs> Lauren Lapkus you are, is funny. You are one of the five people on earth who think that that's that movie is funny. I think." There I saw I saw some clips from the movie. Thirty three percent of us. I saw some clips from the movie, and it looks just unwatchable. I don't understand. Look, <laughs> it's not good. It's I not know, but good. like, but you saying that made me instantly think that that Hubie Halloween is terrible because you come. Yeah, you so said it's like, quite bad. <laughs> yeah, go go into what you think is good about the movie, though. Yeah, so uh, Hubie Halloween is quite bad. The uh, the notes I took <laughs> oh. among them. Uh, among them is uh, one of the dumbest movies I've seen. It's uh, <laughs> yes, the movie is just it's not a it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But much like Hubie's character is just like a Frankenstein's monster of Adam Sandler tropes, the movie has very little cohesive narrative, and a lot of it is just like a scene with extremely famous actors doing something. Hubie like stumbles onto the scene. They make fun of him. And then he screams and runs away. (laughs) For instance, Ray Liotta. Okay. So have you guys seen Goodfellas? Yeah. I know who Ray Liotta is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Ray Liotta. Isn't he in the commercial? The commercial for Hubie Halloween. Yeah. No, he's in, he's in like these commercials for like, uh, uh, male enhancement pills or something. I don't know. Oh, I mean that, that seems very on brand. He's like a machissimo, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm walking here. He's like, he's like that kind of, he like, was Italian, in Goodfellas, and that's it. Guy. That's all I know him from. Yeah. That's all I think I've seen him in besides like movies where he plays like Ray Liotta, like this one where he like, he has a different name, I think, but he just plays who you think of when you think of Ray Liotta. And, uh, <laughs> he's in the movie for some reason. And there's like there's a whole scene where like it follows Ray Liotta, who I watched this movie and I don't know who he is or who he was supposed to be. You meet Ray Liotta because uh, Hubie uh, got scared in a graveyard because it's his graveyard and graveyards is scary. First of all, okay, let me let me backtrack. So Hubie. (laughs) What's this fucking movie about? Are we going to get to that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna unwind the enigma that is Hubie Halloween. He keeps talking uh, about this Hubie character. I don't, he, 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 it might as well be yeah, a it, dragon. Okay, his name is Hubie Dubois, and uh, <laughs> that's a funny name. First of all, I love it. Okay, so so are you familiar with uh, the the portion of America, like Louisiana esque, where uh, Creole South? is prominent? No, like 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 Louisiana, uh, parts of this parts of the South, yeah, like maybe Florida, where Creole is prevalent. Uh, Dubois, it's like a French name, but I think Hubie seems to come from that area. He's a character, <laughs> maybe from that area because sure. his name is Hubie Dubois, and he's quite um, 
an interesting fellow. He's Are you just, just his... making up lore for this character. No, right no, 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 no. So my theory. Okay, <laughs> see, I gotta your theory. <laughs> your theory. <laughs> this is, this it's not even about the fucking this movie. This is exactly <laughs> how the pitch to Netflix went. By the way, this is this is, <laughs> this is word for word. Okay, so Hubie Halloween uh, is a movie about a who. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to be real. I'm, I, I don't mean to step on any toes here, but I think he's like a. Um, a man with special needs, uh, dis- disabled man. I'm not sure what the phrase is. Yeah, he's uh, like the he's, wa- he's like a water boy esque kind of thing, right? He's a water boy esque character who yeah. does not people make fun of him a lot because he talks. He he kind of he talks. Like he does it. It's, it's the Adam Dubois. Sandler character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that. That's what I'm saying. He's a Frankenstein's monster of different Adam Sandler tropes, and he's very stupid. But very lovable. But he's got a big he's, heart. He's yeah, a good guy. he's got a big heart, and his entire shtick, Hubie Dubois, the thing he's known for year round, not just on Halloween, is making sure people are safe on Halloween. <laughs> he just he just <laughs> he just All loves right. Halloween, and he worries about people being dangerous. So on Halloween, he dresses up as a Halloween monitor. Like he puts on like a sash that says monitor and he just like goes around and makes sure that people don't take too much candy out of bowls <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't know, tri- trip while trick or treating. He just like makes sure people are being safe. And every October, his like yard is totally covered in, uh, uh, you know, like dumb Halloween uh, decorations and things, things like that. And that is the story of the movie. This is just it's it takes place during Man, Halloween. Adam Sandler can take people safe like a, a, an idea that could very well just be like a forgettable SNL sketch and just turn it into like a seventy five million dollar movie. Yeah, it's the. I mean, really, I am not exaggerating when I say that is what they give you. And then the rest of the movie is just like these scenes that are loosely connected where Hubie interacts with really yeah. famous actors doing something kind of funny. Like it's Steve SNL. Buscemi. It's really it's like a it's like a very highly produced episode of SNL where like they're where there's only one character breaking. Yeah, Yeah. it's uh, so just off the top of my head, the people who are in it, Ray Liotta's in it. um, uh, Steve Buscemi is in it. Shaquille O'Neal is in it. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal plays like a radio host who uses a sexy woman's voice. Like they just dub in a sexy woman's voice. That's his radio voice. And then Hubie meets him for some reason. And it's just Shaquille O'Neal is like, oh, what's up? Oh, you thought that was my real voice? No, that's my radio voice. And that's the joke. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you telling me Shaquille O'Neal doesn't play himself? No, I mean that's weird. Yeah, he doesn't play himself. How could anyone? Yeah, how does anyone look at Shaquille O'Neal and not think that's Shaquille O'Neal? That's so distracting. Um, the makeup, you know, was pretty good. The prosthetics. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, he looks. Just, I mean, there's no. He just is Shaquille O'Neal. It's like an SNL sketch. It's it's like Shaquille exactly. O'Neal playing some random radio host. All right. Um, that's fine. The the uh, the mother from Modern Family plays. Uh, a love interest with Hubie who was like his, his like girl he pined after, uh, pined after in high school, but then married, she married Kevin James who plays like a, uh, a cop who she ends up being divorced from, but he's like addicted to Hershey's kisses. He's like constantly eating Hershey's kisses. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, 
I'm, I'm sure. I'm, oh, and then uh, Maya Rudolph is in it. Uh, right. Maya Rudolph, wife to Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, lest yeah, we forget. Yeah. Um, and a whole, you know, it's, a, it's it's like one of the more stacked casts I've ever seen. I would say it's well, kind yeah, of like because Love Actually, Adam like Sandler shows up to whatever production company, and he's like, "I'm Adam Sandler. I've got a bunch of friends in Hollywood. Give me a, give me money. I can get them to be in the movie for ten seconds. Like that's yeah. what he's always done." You go back and watch any of his old movies, even the ones that people think are good, like Waterboy and stuff. Like that's that's like what the movies are founded on, like celebrity cameos and and yeah. like scenes uh, that are just just like unconnected, that are just <laughs> like oh, this is the scene where uh, Adam Sandler is in class and he's stupid, and that's the yeah. The, the whole movie <laughs> is just Adam Sandler being stupid in different places, and then people reacting <laughs> yeah. to that. Uh, ben Stiller's also in it. Keenan Thompson, the dude from The Shield, who played the Thing in uh, Fantastic Four. Okay, he plays a priest. Um, and the list cool. goes on and on. And uh, yeah, so Hubie <laughs> is is trying to make sure everyone is safe on Halloween by patrolling around on like a bike. And um, what I, I you know, there's not really like a story. It's like Steve Buscemi is this guy who Hubie thinks is a werewolf who just moved in next to him. And uh, a kid gets uh, like abducted in a corn maze. And at one point, so Hubie fails to keep these children safe <laughs> on Halloween. The first oh. one of the first thing that happens is that Hubie fails. So Hubie, the failure, uh, then tries to figure out who abducted this kid. And uh, he thinks it's uh, this werewolf who lives next door who is played by Steve Buscemi. Um, but everyone in the town thinks it's just Hubie's being Hubie. But then um, I don't even know if other things happen or if like, I don't know if like, <laughs> other people get abducted or if it's just Hubie running around acting so like psychotic, uh, you know, Adam Sandler just literally like running into frame and screaming and people needing to deal with that. That eventually makes people like start talking to Hubie about like what he's so worried about. Um, oh, you know what? A few other, I'm just going to spoil it. Can I just spoil it? Do you guys? Yes, yeah, I'm never going to see this movie. I literally don't care about this okay. movie yet. Okay. So, <laughs> so the best, not really the worst part. Well, it's hard to say like, what's <laughs> oh the best God. and what's the worst part of this movie because like the term good and bad are so intertwined with Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> <laughs> he is the perfect yin and yang. Yeah. He is the perfect yin and yang. The perfectly balances all things should be movie. Hubie Halloween. Um, so, uh, a couple other people get abducted, including Ray Liotta, I think. Um, and I, I, I don't remember him getting abducted, but at the end of the movie, there's like a big reveal where you see all of these characters like tied to this, this movie takes place in Salem, Massachusetts. And Hubie keeps telling people that his great, great grandmother was like a witch who got burned during the Salem witch trials. And that's not really touched on in the movie until the end when there's a big reveal of all these characters who you had seen previously, like Maya Rudolph's character, Ray Liotta's character, they're all tied to like, uh, uh, like wooden poles. Like they're about to be burned at the stake. And, uh, you find out that the person who abducted them wasn't the werewolf. It was Hubie's mom because she thought people didn't respect her son enough so she was going to burn them all at the stake <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah and uh 
she rather than killing them just says like you guys should all feel really bad for yourself because my son's like a really good dude and then she runs into the forest and oh it was a lesson the the movie. it was a lesson yeah. yeah it was a lesson that you should respect hubie okay um so they i don't hope this is the die. new uh earnest like hubie that's halloween the thing. Okay, so that's There's the thing. hubie it thanksgiving a, this is a her uh, uh an earnest movie like for lack of a better comparison no i mean like, i mean really, i hope that they make like 10 earnest. 10 or 15 more of them with hubie <laughs> Well, I oh, really yeah, wouldn't be surprised. I want to say Hubie's Easter. Yeah, Hubie because, Easter, because Hubie Christmas, all that. They could do that because, so the end of the movie, so first of all, the 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 title, Hubie, Hubie Halloween. Cinematic Universe. The HCU. Uh, Hubie's <laughs> Halloween doesn't really, like, you have to think about it. You're like, is that like a pun? Is it like Happy Halloween, but it's Hubie? Like, it doesn't really make sense. So they could do that with any holiday or really like any other word. You know, they could do like Hubie Vietnam. <laughs> it could be Hubie like <laughs> going to fucking Nam. And we wouldn't care. I'd still watch it. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I would be into that, Dan, if they did make this into like the ECU, the Ernest Cinematic Universe. And uh, <laughs> it was just Hubie doing Hubie stuff and running into frame and screaming and then leaving when he gets scared and screaming as well. Uh, that'd be cool in like any situation. I'd watch all 90 of those <laughs> that uh, Adam Sandler would pump out. Uh, so moral of the story, this is a bad movie, but I think uh, you you may have heard that it is Adam Sandler's most successful movie on Netflix so far, and he's put out like five or six of them, probably more that I don't know about. That could be totally made up, though, because Netflix just likes to like say that. They said that about um, Bird Box, and I have a hard time that- believing that that was real. I, there were so many people talking about Bird Box, though, when that came out, that I believe that that was their the, all, here's the fastest th- watched thing, show. No, here's the thing, though. People started talking about it after Netflix said that it was the the most watched thing. Like, I think that Netflix just said, this is hot, so if you're not watching it, then you're going to be left out. And then everybody's like, oh, I guess I should watch it. And then it became a thing. And then, of course, the Bird Box challenge, like, multiplied that. And that was the just bird like box challenge. Yeah. Where people like challenge. blindfolded themselves and then like drove their car into like telephone poles and stuff. What? <laughs> that sounds like a cool challenge for cool people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys don't remember that. That was like the big thing for like a week, but no. I mean, but, I, I watched bird box, but I, I, I don't know because people were hyping it. I just saw it on Netflix and well, yeah. I figured I'd give it a I, shot. I saw a red litter media video where they were like pointing out that Netflix never releases any numbers, but for some reason, the only time that they release like, numbers for something is when it's something that they've produced and when it's something that just comes like just came out they're like oh uh bird box got a lot of views isn't that crazy yeah, like publish s- this for the shareholders yeah and then they sh- they yeah. like they you know bring that news to big publications and then they publicize it through the media and then everybody's like bird box oh i guess this is the hot new movie everybody's watching let's watch it you know so yeah, that might be the case here with hubie halloween um, I think that they uh, do that. I think that it's just a, a tinfoil hat theory, though. I think that they just, it's like a marketing uh, thing. That they yeah, do. whether or not Netflix started its popularity or it was organic to whatever degree, um, I think it's quite popular. I've heard a bunch of people talking about it. And the moral of the story, from what I hear, is that people are saying it's not that bad and that it's okay. And I would I would say it's not that bad. I but I'm also I wouldn't say I'm an Adam Sandler apologist, but I tolerate his movies 
uh, right. I think it was in a PPC, uh, pre-pod conversation. Dane, you were saying, I was like, you know, you can just like turn on the last Missy. Like, it's fun. And you were like, yeah, I could also turn on my car and then go inside. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I personally don't see the appeal of just putting a movie on, like just to have a movie on. I sit down and I watch movies. Like movies are there to be watched for me. I just don't, I don't, ha- I don't just don't like put on background noise. Like, I, I know that there's like an entire generation of people who like grew up watching television. So they like need some like background noise. People like fall asleep to the television. I cannot do that. Like I just can't like it's, if it's on, then I, I need to watch it. Like I go over to my mom's house sometimes and she has the television on all the time. And I, it's really hard to talk to her when the television is on, because when the television is on, my attention is like, I have to watch the TV because it's on. Hmm. And that's what we're doing, right? Like in my brain, it's like the TV's on. So like, why aren't we watching it? But like, she's trying to talk to me while a show is on. And my brain is like confused. It's like, so wait, what are we doing? Are we watching TV? Or are we talking? Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do two things at once. And I, I don't know if that's just uh, because I have a brain tumor or disability, but it's, uh, <laughs> it, I think that it, it's all related. Like I can't, uh, I can't just put a movie on just to have it on. Like. So I just don't understand the appeal of movies that are clearly made for that purpose, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a thing people do. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll put on like a shitty movie that I don't care about if I'm like cleaning just to have something on. I don't fall asleep. That's what music's I'm, for. Yeah. You know, I don't, I do that I don't really like listen to music, podcasts. but I, I guess I kind of do when I clean. I mostly, most of, most of the time if I'm cleaning or just like doing stuff around the house, I'll, I'll put on a podcast, whether it's on my TV or just a audio or a dumb movie. Like, uh, for instance, The Last Missy might have been one like that. I don't mm-hmm. recall. Sure. Or any number of other Adam Sandler films um, that are very forgettable and I might have watched, but I don't remember. Um, that's the magic of Adam Sandler movies is you can just forget about them most of the time. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Hubie Halloween was one of 14 other movies uh, that I watched. I'll just, I'll rattle them off and I'll, I'll shoot off some, some, some takes on some that I really liked and, or had a, had an opinion on. Um, I started out with uh, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I say that because, it's usually stylized to be chainsaw, like the word chainsaw, but the original release was called the Texas Chain Space Saw Massacre, and I think that's cool. Uh, that, my only note for that, I've been taking a few notes on movies that I've been watching, just so I can jog the old brain when I'm uh, potting. Uh, the only note I have on that is The Greatest. Um, I think it's probably my favorite horror movie. At this point, I re- I, I watched this is the second time I've seen it. Um, it's really good. I, I, I've already talked about it in the pod, so I won't get into it. But I, I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like a perfect horror movie. Um, so I watched that uh, reanimator and uh, from beyond. I watched these are two movies by uh, Stuart Gordon, I think, is the director. Uh, they're these really campy uh, HP Lovecraft adaptations. Uh, you can watch them on Shutter. I really liked both of them. Uh, they're both pretty similar. Uh, Reanimator is about this like doctor who gets disgraced because the medical community thinks he killed his uh, his mentor, but really he his mentor died and maybe he killed him. But he was trying to bring him back from the dead with this like serum that he created. So he breaks into a morgue at this medical school and tries to like reanimate the dead. 
and uh it had some awesome special effects like there's a big portion of the movie where a character is like uh be like doesn't have a head anymore because it was removed during an autopsy or something and uh he's just like carrying around his own head and it looks pretty good like it doesn't look like you know like one of those halloween costumes where people like have their head out but then the costume is much taller than they are so like the seven yeah like the one in hoobie halloween yeah, exactly. Like Tim Meadows has where's that in Tim Meadows of uh, SNL yeah. fame. I was looking at uh, some pictures and I saw that he had that. So yeah, I thought it was exactly weird that like you that. brought that up. Yeah, maybe that was in the brain. It all comes back. Hubster, it all Hubster. It all Hubie has everything. Oh, another okay, speaking of Hubie has everything. So guys, I have a feeling Hubie oh Halloween might be a favorite of this month. <laughs> so Hubie Halloween or Hubie Dubois for some reason. He offhandedly mentions that when he was in Boy Scouts, when he was young, he made a canteen. He just like mentioned this. He's like carries around this canteen with him. And uh, he like is like, oh, yeah, I made this. I made this when I was in (laughs) Boy Scouts. And I just thought to myself, like, I was in Boy Scouts and I never made a canteen. Like, that's interesting. Why would they mention that? But throughout the whole movie, he is like Doctor Who, but with his canteen. It's a Swiss Army canteen. It has a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it has a shovel. Uh-huh. It holds soup. Uh, well, uh-huh. It has a grappling hook. Like he uses it as a grappling hook to escape, like a zombie or something. In one in one scene, um, you know, Whoa. it probably has a gun. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's really badass. Um, but yeah, getting getting back to the other movies I watched. Um, from Beyond was uh, the other Stuart Gordon movie. Now, this one came out after Reanimator, so I think it like kind of plays upon what people liked about Reanimator. Has Reanimator is like a kind of a cult classic-y kind of movie. You should check out the the poster is really cool. You kind of kind of get the vibe of the movie from the poster. Like it's very campy, pulpy looking. Is it a Hubie like? Uh, it is not a Hubie like. Uh, I wish shit. it was a Hubie like. You know, I think if Hubster, Hub- plays it's a Hubie light. Right, you know okay so i at one point in american history um ernest hemingway uh author man uh once said that all fiction and this is a paraphrase all all fiction that was written after uh the adventures of huckleberry finn was inspired by the adventures of huckleberry finn i think it's fair to say that all movies made after Hubie Halloween are in some way inspired by the legacy of Hubie Halloween. So yeah, I guess you could say I think the past applies to the prophecy of it goes both ways. Like a a wrinkle in time, you know, like you move the line and it, you know, becomes like a string and it's like closer together or whatever. And Oprah becomes like a fully leveled up destiny character. I didn't really pay attention. The movie was bad, but uh, have you guys seen a wrinkle in time? The, The newer movie. Okay. So just look up, like anyone listening to this, I've seen Oprah. I've seen Oprah in it. Okay, any any of our audience members or Dane, if you haven't, just Google "Wrinkle in Time" Oprah Destiny Two, and uh, Oprah's character looks like a fully leveled up uh, Destiny Two character. I've seen, <laughs> which is I, funny. I've seen uh, Oprah from "Wrinkle in Time," right? Yeah, but I, yeah, and if you've played Destiny Two, then you've probably seen her as well. Um, but that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, so From Beyond is another Stuart Gordon movie. It's a very campy sci-fi movie about this scientist who is messing around with like uh, magnetic resonance, whatever that means. Basically, these like giant tuning forks that vibrate 
uh, to such a frequency that causes the pineal gland in your brain to expand. Uh, and you can sense things, you can see things that you typically can't. And uh, it's kind of a cool premise. Like if you basically it turns out that there's these weird like jellyfish squid monsters always around us and we just can't see them uh, because our pineal glands have not been properly stimulated. And uh, this scientist guy goes crazy and gets lost in that dimension and turns into like this oozy monster that kind of looks like he's from The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing, which famously has awesome prosthetic monsters that are real goopy and drippy. And uh, this guy turns into one of those and uh, his protege, uh, sorry, I think there's people walking above me quite loudly, but uh, his protege, the same actor who plays the scientist uh, who was the protege of the guy he tried to reanimate in Reanimator, the same actor, uh, his name is escaping me. Um, in From Beyond, this guy tries to like stop that scientist and because he's in this uh, area that is being uh, cog, uh, is being resonated. The machine is called the resonator. He, uh, his pineal gland gets stimulated to the point where he has like a brain boner. Like, I think the only note I have on huh. this movie is the word brain boners because quite literally like a erection type thing, in this case, a pineal gland, uh, sprouts from his forehead and the movie has all these like weird horror sex scenes um, that I won't get into because it's it's a really very odd movie that I I, I I liked a lot and it's real campy, real pulpy, real uh, real weird. Um, so yeah, I, I'd recommend From Beyond. It's on Shutter as well. Uh, I watched um, Cape Fear, uh, a Martin Scorsese movie. Have you guys? I I know I talked to you, Dane, in a game of TF2 about Cape Fear, but did, uh, you said you saw it a while ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, a pretty long time ago, like probably when I was either a teenager or my early twenties. Yeah, so like more than a decade, more than a decade at this point since I've seen it. But I remember really liking it a lot. Yeah, it's a cool movie, Matt. Have you seen Cape Fear? Is a Martin Scorsese film with Never Robert heard De Niro? Of it. Okay, so Cape Fear is uh wait a robert de niro was in a martin scorsese movie yeah it was but this is only the seventh time (laughs) oh okay (laughs) that's actually true uh so this is the seventh collaboration between uh robert holy crap yeah so the seventh time was the charm it turned out um so this was the i guess martin scorsese had a development deal with amblin entertainment steven spielberg's company in the 80s or 90s. I don't remember when this movie came out, but uh, 80s or 90s. And this is the first movie in that collaboration. So it's like a big budget Martin Scorsese movie where a lot of his older 70s movies are lower budget. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's like a revenge thriller, um, almost kind of a horror movie. It's about this guy who's wrongfully convicted or maybe wrongfully convicted of, uh, of rape, um, where his attorney, played by um, Nick Nolte, of uh Mandalorian fame. Nick he's Nolte. the uh, Yeah, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. He, he's the uh I have spoken guy in Mandalorian, I think. Um Nick Nolte. It's funny this. that people know him as that, but I mean I've known him as Bruce Banner's dad for a lot longer. Wait, in the two thousand three Hulk movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric Banner's dad. Yeah. Oh I, I that was the first movie where I saw him in and I thought he was like a he was I like people give that movie shit, but I actually think it's really interesting. Like, um, 
who made that movie? Um, same guy that like made Brokeback Mountain and a bunch of other. Oh, Ang Lee. Like Ang Lee made that movie. <laughs> what? So it's, oh my god, I don't remember so, that. So like you go back and watch it, and it's actually like kind of like clever the way it's done. This was before people like started associating like superhero movies with like big budget blockbusters. And I think that Ang Lee approached it. And he's just like, I want to make a comic book movie. Literally, I want to make a comic book movie. And the way the movie is like edited and shot is very reminiscent of a comic book. There's a lot of picture in picture that looks like a comic book, like physically on the screen. And I oh, think wow. it's really interesting and fun to watch. And I don't think a lot of people really like, I don't know, people just kind of give the movie shit besides like, despite the fact that I think that it's really cleverly done. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I liked the 2003 Hulk movie. Yeah. I, I think I it's really good. cool. Especially and interesting. the comic book aspect. Cause like a lot of the early, I think, didn't Spider-Man do a very light version of that? Maybe like the first kind one? of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. I would say that Sam Raimi Spider-Man is more like um, campy, but that's mostly just because Sam Raimi is campy. But he's oh like, yeah, I just mean like the 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 comic book aesthetic tying it in. Like Hulk did it sure, really yeah. well, but I I thought I had seen it somewhere before. Hulk but did no it. one really ran with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it was like directly inspired, but. I mean the whole the 2003 Hulk movie like they they do it in like every scene but I think the movie like despite the I'm sure a lot of the special effects probably don't hold up but I think that it's still like an entertaining movie and Nick Nolte in the movie is really great but he's just like a really fun actor anyway so anyway that's what I know Nick Nolte from and also from Tropic Thunder which is also one of my favorite comedies Wait, who so. was he in Tropic Thunder He was um the guy that the movie was based off of like they were making the they were making the movie the movie that they're making is called Tropic Thunder in the movie Tropic Thunder. <laughs> it makes doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that movie's based on a book by a, a like a Vietnam War vet, and that Vietnam War vet is on set, and that's Nick Nolte, and he no, like convinces he convinces the director to take them out into their actual jungle and like shoot it guerrilla style because they were having problems with it, like getting the actors to actually act well. Oh, you should definitely he, like, rewatch it. Dies or something. Yeah, hundred percent rewatch it. Oh, dude, I watch years. it like every year. It's really fucking funny, <laughs> and it's that- super weird to see all of these like high level actors in this movie because that movie is so like ballsy. Like they get away with a lot of stuff, and it wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> I mean, Robert De Niro's character is like in blackface the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and it's not it's like it's it's self aware blackface, cleverly, but it's like yeah, it's self-aware. it's super like. Uh, other than that, <laughs> other than that, the movie is extremely raunchy, and uh, I, looking back on it, I cannot believe I went to go see it with my friend's parents, <laughs> and uh, and they they came out of the movie and they said, oh yeah, we liked it, but the whole movie I was just like, oh my god, this like I feel like I shouldn't be watching this movie with them, but uh, yeah, it's really great. I love the fake trailers at the beginning too. Oh my god, that's so They're funny! They're so what fucking simple. Jack, and then the one where he's like a no. Simple Jack isn't one of the trailers. They hit oh, that's just that? later in the movie that they find out that he was in a movie like. Oh, that. the boot! Isn't there bootios like bust a nut bar? That that like, was like a fake commercial and stuff for the bust a nut bars for <laughs> booty sweat and bust a nut. Yeah, booty sweat. <laughs> but the fake trailers are great. There's like a, a there's like an Adam Sandler uh, comedy, uh, or it was like supposed to be a parody of Adam Sandler comedies, and also like uh, 
the meet the clumps kind of style thing with Jack Black <laughs> and he like plays a bunch of fat people in fat suits. Oh, and he's just yeah, like, they're just farting a bunch. And he's just like, hey, hey. they were like sitting around a, a table and stuff. And it's just Jack Black and a bunch of like cosmetics <laughs> and they're all farting. <laughs> then, yeah, I remember the farts. I don't think I've ever seen Tropic Thunder. Oh man, wow. okay. I'm not gonna spoil any of it for you then because it's it's actually a really good movie. Like it it's, it's a dumb comedy. Old. Does it hold up? It's a dumb yeah, comedy, it but up. it but it's like super like well done. I don't really it's really weird how kind of under the radar that movie is because it's I think uh it was not <laughs> I think Robert Downey Jr. was uh nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I'm not even I kidding. Yeah, the, uh, the movie he was lost directed to, uh, by Ben Stiller. Yeah, directed, uh, written, and uh, and starring Ben Stiller. Apparently, he's apparently he's a good filmmaker. Uh, I haven't seen any of other, his other movies like Greenberg and stuff, but but yeah. Anyway, that's where I know Nick Nolte from. Totally off topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, you know I would say War is horrifying, and Tropic Thunder is a war movie. So technically, Tropic Thunder is a horror movie. Um, but yeah, in Cape Fear. <laughs> Uh, Nick Nolte plays this uh, attorney who didn't turn in some evidence that might have, uh, what's the term? Uh, what's Convicted the term for, him? No, no, no. What's the opposite of convicting? Uh, proving oh. someone is, is innocent. Yeah. Um, he This evidence that uh, uh, Nick Nolte had access to that he did not show the judge might have uh, shown that Robert De Niro was was not guilty, but Nick Nolte thought he was as his attorney, as his defense attorney thought that Robert De Niro's character, this like skeevy guy uh, was guilty. So he didn't turn in this evidence and then caused Robert De Niro to be in prison for 14 years. And in those 14 years, uh, Robert De Niro like gets super jacked and his only mission is to fuck up Nick Nolte when he gets out <laughs> and he covers himself in tattoos that are all these uh, like biblical references of revenge and uh, like death. And uh, he tattoos love and hate on his, uh, on his, on his knuckles. And uh, this movie is uh, so, I, I didn't realize having not seen it for like until now that uh, its influence is everywhere. Like that's a trope, like love and hate on your knuckles that you're like, a <laughs> yeah, dude. I was going to say it's like a trope in a million movies. Uh, there's the, there's so many shots in this movie too, that are, you see in movies now that convey like some sort of uh, like foreboding emotion. Like th- there's a scene where Robert De Niro gets out of prison after 14 years, at the beginning of the movie. And he gets out of, he like walks out of the gates and the guards are like, is anyone coming to pick you up? And Robert De Niro was like, Nope. And then he just walks straight into the camera. Um, but in like this very, like that shot conveys this very like menacing emotion that like, oh, Robert De Niro's like, he's going to do something right now. And the thing he goes to do is like, fuck up Nick Nolte, but not in like a, I'm just going to go beat this shit out of this guy kind of way in a, like, I'm going to harass this guy uh, in ways that are just about legal until he like goes crazy. And then I'm going to kill him. Like, I want to put this guy through absolute misery. Like, I'm going to, like, kill his cat without anyone noticing. And uh, he does a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, he, like, tries to seduce his daughter. Like, Nick Nolte's daughter is the 16-year-old girl or 15-year-old girl. And uh, he tries to, like, seduce this girl, like, behind his back. Um, and, like, his wife, too, I think. And uh, it's a really cool, really cool movie. Really well done. 
Um, another like iconic, just like movie trope that came from this movie is there's this scene where uh, the whole family is just scared for their lives. Like this, this Robert De Niro character keeps harassing them and like maybe like breaking into their house. They don't feel safe in their house and they leave and they have this houseboat. So they drive like from wherever they live in like central Florida to the coast in Florida. Uh, everyone's wearing like Hawaiian shirts in this movie. It's very like Floridian and uh, they drive to get no away. Idea. So like Robert De Niro cannot like find us here. We're going to just go out to like our <laughs> houseboat in the middle of this river. But Robert De Niro fucking straps himself to the bottom of their car and like on this road trip just like is under their car and follows them that way. And that's just like like someone slyly strapping themselves under a car or like a train <laughs> or something. It's like a trope you see in a, in a million movies. I think like I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> but, like, I feel like that's kind of extreme. I don't know if that's a trope, but I mean, like, I, I do remember the, um, them getting on the boat and uh, Robert De Niro is like swimming after them or some shit, some crazy shit like that. Yeah, at the the in the climax of the movie, there's like a big a uh, big fight on this houseboat, um, and it's uh, special effects are crazy. Um, there's this big storm. Uh, it's a it's a good movie. I would I would recommend people see it, and you'll probably recognize all of these like cinematic tropes that. Uh, you yeah, this sounds good. May not have known it came from. Watch it. Yeah, I think you'd really like it. I don't remember if I when I watched it on it was either Shutter. It's or on Netflix. Netflix. Okay, yeah, it's probably Netflix. Um, very good movie. Um, I would say it's a Hubie light. Um, <laughs> so I also watched. Um, do, 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 do. I've been counting, um, two hours of a horror TV show as a movie. Um. So I watched, I rewatched uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which is an excellent TV show on Netflix that you should check out if you love horror. Um, I rewatched that whole first season. It was excellent. Uh, Matt, you saw Haunting of Hill House, right? No, oh, I'm halfway through it. I watched Bly oh, okay. Manor this uh, past couple weeks, and then I just started Haunting of Hill House like right after because it was really, Bly Manor was really good. And I'm really liking uh, Hill House. The first episode of Hill House... I remembered I tried watching it when the first show came when it first came out and that first episode sucks. Like what? It's slow. It's slow it and slow. it's not very interesting. And it, it, it made me think the whole show is going to be like that. But now like after like, I think halfway through episode two, I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, I just yeah. watched Nell's episode. Oh my dude, the the bent dude. neck lady, the name of that episode. Dude, is the bent oh neck my lady. God. It's, the it's best. so good. It's that, that, episode has one of the best horror horror movie tv show whatever horror media shots i've ever yeah. seen yeah yeah easily yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know what I, like if you've seen that episode you know what i'm yes. talking about have you yep, seen this then yep. have you seen the show N- no what show is this it's called the haunting of hill house it's about this oh, family who moves into this mansion to renovate it to like do a fixer-upper in the like 80s and it's so haunted that it corrupts a bunch of people in in the house and they have to leave and it just fucks Wait, up haunted, their whole lives. What level haunted? What level do you think? Like nine or ten. Like Hubie ten. Yeah, uh, I would ten, say it's level like ten a, haunted. Yeah, yeah, it's like level ten more haunted than not the even Hubie would monitor next it. To Hubies. Yeah, who Hubie would be yeah. like, this is not safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the werewolf how, the werewolf house in Hubie is probably like haunted four or five, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's haunted four or five because it's Steve Buscemi and he's like a known quantity. Um, also, Rob Schneider. Okay, so let's go back to Hubie Halloween for a minute. Oh my god! Uh, 
So throughout the whole movie, you think so Hubie thinks that this like mysterious werewolf guy is abducting people, but you, the viewer, know that at the beginning of the movie, Ben Stiller played an orderly at a mental hospital who's checking in on a patient, but that patient had faked their like body under the cover so it looked like they were sleeping with a bunch of green jello. And Ben Stiller's like, oh no, that guy was crazy and he escaped. So you know, like, okay, the guy abducting people is definitely this guy who escaped. Turns out the guy who left the insane asylum was Steve Buscemi's old roommate who was also a werewolf, but he only, like Rob Schneider only left the mental institution to go get Steve Buscemi because he escaped and he just like missed him as a roommate. So he just like was going to get him back. Um, yeah. So that's, that's Hubie Halloween, but, uh, yeah, but hunting a hill house. <laughs> hunting very a hill good. House, so good. Like I would call haunting of hill house a like prestige TV show in the same way that like, like the leftovers, like an HBO show is like gunning for all the awards. Like haunting of hill house struck me in that way. The cast is like top notch. They do this really cool thing. So the, the day in the show takes place in two time periods, uh, the childhood of this family where they live in this haunted house for a while. And then their adulthood where you see like how that childhood like uh, left them as adults, like how it affected them. And like one of the kids like turned out to be a drug addict. Uh, the other is like really psychologically messed up and like going through all these different phases, trying to fix it. Uh, they all kind of hate each other. Um, but a really cool thing the show does is that the actors who play the child version and the adult version look like they could have been like CGI'd. Like they look like uh, how Joseph Gordon-Levitt was like CGI'd to be, to look like Bruce Willis really well in Looper. They all look like, they look just like the child version of the actor who they, they grow into. It's, oh. I don't know how they did it. It's like some of the best casting. Side note. I don't think Luke does, but. Luke, so- uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. But he was so young uh, yeah. when he was a child. But what's that, Dan? Oh, I could be wrong about this, but I'm like 90% sure. Fun fact about, looper that's not cgi that's actually really? makeup oh yeah. wow it's yeah. really good makeup i don't think they used makeup here i think the casting was just really good which is funny because who directed a uh, boyhood uh what director directed boyhood some fucking guy i don't know some fucking guy that fucking clown could have just hired <laughs> the casting department for hill house and not waited 15 years to film this movie like he didn't have to follow a kid as he grew grew up he could have just hired the <laughs> hill house casting director like what okay but yeah so hill house uh basically like the ghosts from this house kind of follow these people throughout their lives and fuck them up and it's uh it's really just really really good um, how would you describe it, Matt? Like, what would you, how would, what would your pitch for Hill House be? Oh, it's, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's probably the best horror TV show I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, cause there's not a whole lot, I, which is kind of the problem. But like the only one I'd really seen before this would be like American Horror Story. Oh, and it's even so much that, better. It's, it's so much yeah, better than that. <laughs> yeah. Like American st- Horror Story is like good, but you need to, it's like a bad it just turned into like a series of like bad B movies. Yeah. You know, where like there it's a lot of camp and a huge issue with American horror story is like, they'll typically a season will have like three or four different plots and they don't pace them well. And they'll all like maybe relate to each other, but sometimes it feels like you're seeing a bunch of like, different stories that just take place in the setting they made, but then they try to make sense of it later. 
like season four. Did you guys ever watch season four of American Horror Story? Uh, was that the circus? The, the freak movie? show. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, fucking that that season. Like all the marketing was around this fucking clown, like this scary ass clown that's like oh my God. killing people in the woods. A, a, a and then clown it's isn't scary in- if he looks scary. You know what I mean? Like. The fact that his costume that he like went out to a store and bought already looks scary disqualifies him from being a scary clown. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Like he, (laughs) it it looks scary and it like was a creepy thing. And then it turned out that that was like a three episode arc. And then we just care about the fucking circus people. Like, like it's just shit like that. Like there's no, like it, it was just an odd way to pace a show. And, and what's nice about so far Hell House and uh, what was Bly Manor was it's paced pretty well and it also tells individual stories per episode because episodes yeah. are typically wrapped around a character and you'll see like they do it a lot in Hell House right now where you'll watch an episode about a character and you see like scenes from the kids uh, scenes from present day and scenes from like at some other point in their adulthood. And it will always jump around, but bec- but because they have that mixed narrative that's constantly going on, you're like getting more background information, and it's pushing the story forward. But like all the episodes are self-contained. Yeah, it like falls. Uh, the episodes kind of fall into each other, where like the the story of Haunting of Hill House really takes place over like two days. There's the day that the family had to leave the haunted house because the ghosts were up to some shit, and a day where uh, one of the family members dies uh, as an adult and uh, the family like meets for a funeral after not like after kind of being estranged from each other because their childhoods were so messed up. And each episode is about like one of those characters and it's about their childhood and about their adulthood and like how they got there. And like it, it's kind of like the <laughs> this is a bad comparison, but it's kind of like the fourth season or fifth season of uh, Arrested Development. How like things you see yeah. in one episode, like you watch like the first episode and you're like, that didn't make a ton of sense, but like it was pretty funny. And then in the next episode, like something that happened in the first episode, you see the context around that thing and it makes the first episode make sense. Like that's Hill House. Like Hill House just like keeps keeps like a little less itself. though you can watch you can watch arrested development out of order and it will make sense i think this one you would lose a lot of context sure yeah so it's not not the best comparison but it, it's cool how it like folds into itself the yeah. all of the episodes with the following the family members but bly manor it's a it's also like an anthology show so like the same showrunner, Mike Flanagan, who is a movie director too. He directed Dr. Sleep, which is on my list this month. I, I have not seen it. It's the sequel to The Shining. Heard it's actually good. He directed that. He directed Gerald's Game, um, which is a pretty good horror movie on Netflix, I would recommend, about a girl or a woman. Uh, named Gerald. In Hill House. <laughs> named Gerald. Uh, no, her uh, woman married she to Gerald. She plays a video game. Uh, no, it's not a video game. It's a sex game. What? Yeah. Boner. Let's just say if you fa- <laughs> if you fancy a boner, you'll love Gerald's game. Oh, uh, I won't. I say fancy a boner. Yeah, who doesn't? Oh, another thing about Hubie's Halloween. I, you know, this movie is. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the only shtick. What makes it so surprising? <laughs> You're like blown away by this movie. I can't believe it. So what makes the ending of Hubie Halloween so surprising 
where the mom all of a sudden is trying to teach everyone a lesson about like how nice her son is, is that the only, the only thing that the mom does the whole movie is walk into like walk into frame. Hubie lives with his mother, Mrs. Dubois. She'll walk into frame and have a t-shirt on that she'll be like, Oh, I just bought this at the thrift store. And it'll be like, uh, I forget what it is exactly, but like one of the first such t-shirts just says like boner, <laughs> boner patrol. Or something <laughs> like that. And Hubie will be like, um, mom, why do you have a shirt that says boner patrol? And she'll be like, Oh, I thought a uh, boner meant mistake. So it's like, I'm on the mistake patrol. And, uh, and then like throughout the rest of the movie, Hubie, whenever he makes a mistake and spoiler, he makes a lot of them. He's like, Oh, I made another boner. And then people around him are like, what? Wait, what? He said boner. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the ending is very confusing because it's like this woman who you just knew as the thrift shop lady who says boner wrong. She's all of a sudden trying to teach you a lesson, but uh, the you know we're talking about boners here. So if you fancy a boner, check out Gerald's Game by Mike Flanagan, the showrunner of uh, Haunting of Hill House, and the next like quote unquote season that's called The Haunting of Bly Manor that shares a lot of the same cast of The Haunting of Hill House. Not the whole cast, like not the whole family, but a lot of them uh, play completely different characters in another haunted house in The Haunting of Bly Manor. Now Matt, I I told you about Haunting of Hill House, and I was like, oh yeah, it's a really cool like haunted house show and they're making another season that's an anthology. And it's like just the, the only similarity is that it has a similar cast and is about a haunted house. And you were hesitant because you were like, Oh, well how much can they do do with like the haunted house trope? Now I haven't seen Bly Manor. So how, how do you think it is? Oh, they can do a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I mean, I, I was kind of just basing it off of like, I, I don't know. I was picturing this show would be like American Horror Story at first where I was like, oh, they're, they're going to try to do like another murder house or something. But it, it's like a completely different context, time period, everything. Um, they do a good job with it. Yeah, that's cool. It's not as horror-ish, though. That's what I keep hearing. I keep hearing it's more of a I like gothic it, though. romance I really than, liked a, it. than a ghost story. Yeah. Okay. That's like the end thesis statement. Oh, interesting. I told you it was a horror story, but with actually a love <laughs> And then me, the man watching it, I'm like, ugh, love story? Ugh! And then I'd be pissed. I'm not going to watch that shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I also watched um, Lovecraft Country was another movie, or was another TV series that I counted, um, except watched for one episode. Too. Uh, there's one episode, I don't know if you're caught up, but the last episode I did not find to be like a horror uh, episode. Like it didn't really, uh, that move, that, that's the Lovecraft Country, which we've talked about on the show before. Uh, won't get into it, but it like each episode is kind of like a different genre, uh, like subgenre of horror that they play upon with a, a, a black cast. So it's like typically like a horror subgenre that hasn't had like black representation before, which is pretty cool. Matt just watched it. Uh, what'd you think, Matt? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. A um, lot lighter on the horror, though. It, it has, mm-hmm. like, horror aspects, I guess. There's, like, witches and, like, spooky monsters sometimes. But I don't know. Some are definitely more horror-ish than the others. But, like, yeah, to- the I, one I, where I they go into the tunnels. I was, that's that's I was more like, of an Indiana like, Jones movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's, like, it's not a horror thing. Yeah, right? I didn't. Like, I did, for instance, for this list, I did not count that episode 
as okay a, yeah and then the sci-fi horror. episode i didn't count also, that either no, i thought I was kind of dumb no um, like i uh, <laughs> i counted the there's like a shapeshifter episode i counted that as a horror uh episode along with uh god dude oh the shapeshift dang yeah, you gotta watch lovecraft country lovecraft country is really good lovecraft it has Country's some really good. good cgi oh yeah it's uh, it's, it's pretty oh, cool the shapeshifter dude is oh it's oh like, and then i also counted uh, the uh, uh the succubus not succubus the uh the like korean succubus nine tail spirit that yeah like, i mean it's people. the western equivalent would be like a succubus so yeah i think that's yeah. fine that episode I counted as a horror as well. But then the, this most recent one, which is uh, interestingly the se- within like this, se- within like the same, like 365 days, HBO has put out two big budget adaptations of the Tulsa massacre. Uh, this is like uh, this most recent episode is about the Tulsa massacre. And I did not count that as a horror. Uh, okay. Episode. That is exciting though. That sounds like a cool episode. It is really good. Uh, it is really good. Um, I, I would say if I had to choose, there's no point really in, you know, like ranking, like like comparing Watchmen to Lovecraft Country because they're extremely different shows. But in terms of depictions of the Tulsa Massacre, I, I liked the Watchmen version, the Watchmen's vision of it better than Lovecraft Country's. But this episode was just, it was a great episode. You got to check it out. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah, so I, I've been watching Lovecraft Country as well. One more episode left. Very excited for that to end. I'll probably go and rewatch the whole series after that, uh, after it ends. Um, I got a rapid fire your list. We've been on movies for like ever now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, remember when we okay. said we were going to talk about video games? Fuck. <laughs> okay, so speaking of video games, Dane, I see in the Discord has messaged uh, about how for promoting Hubie Halloween, uh, <laughs> Netflix posted Hubie's Animal Crossing Island. <laughs> yeah. I hate you this can go trend. And visit. I hate I, uh, this trend. It got and, old after KFC did it. But dude, T Pain is gonna be there. Yeah, but like, have you seen Joe Biden's <laughs> Animal Crossing yeah, Island? It's, it's pretty cringe. It's pretty cringe. They like, clearly AOC hire like too. people who know how to make Animal Crossing Islands to just do it. It seems yeah. so inconvenient. Like, what is the? How do you queue? How do you queue for this line? Also, <laughs> well, no, have you they added, played they added Animal dreams, Crossing Matt. multiplayer. Matt, they what? added dreams, so. You're not actually going to the island. You're oh, going to yeah. like yeah, your own the, instance of the island. You all can right, go right. to, you can upload the island now. This is because when KFC did it, it was before that. And I was like, oh, wow, boy. that must be awful to get into. Like, no, it'd be impossible. <laughs> it'd be like selling. Be there or whatever. I always yeah, thought they, that they just streamed like some guy touring it and you could go watch the video. But yeah, now that they have got dreams, it's much easier to share that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, vote, yeah. vote for Joe Biden, please. Uh, also, I watched uh, Color Out of Space. So I watched, uh, I have not watched Mandy yet. That's the other Nicolas Cage movie on my list. Um, but I watched Color Out of Space, which is a um, pretty okay movie on Shudder. Um, it came out like last year. Nicolas Cage, I read a review of Color Out of Space after I watched it that mentioned that during the filming of Color Out of Space, which is an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation, Starring Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage was in was in some level of production in six other movies. Wild. But uh yeah, it's this Lovecraft adaptation about uh a guy who owns a farm, an alpaca farm, and uh a like meteorite hits his farm and is this glowing purple rock and it like turns everything. It kind of is like annihilation, like this rock radiates this space color that like mutates things into the like 
the alpacas, like their skin falls off and they turn into mutants and shit and make everyone go crazy. And it's like a, it felt like a higher budget B movie. It was okay. I, I didn't really love it, but it was, it was fine. I'd go check out Color Out of Space if you want, if you like Nicolas Cage wiling out. Um, I also watched a really shitty movie called Occult from 2009. It's a Japanese uh, found footage movie. <laughs> Um, who I yeah. sent the last scene of this to Matt and it's it's amazing it like it looks like if you've seen Haosu Japanese movie it looks like the special effects from that but only in this one scene this is a, like a two hour long found footage movie which is too long for a found footage movie and the very last scene is just wild you know if anything go and skip to the last 10 minutes of that movie and watch it uh, it is really weird yeah. <laughs> that can vouch yeah. um, but otherwise did not like Occult from 2009 uh let's see i also watched evil dead uh oh an amazing movie go watch classic or remake classic the classic 1981 uh can't say enough good things about evil dead it's horror camp like distilled it is probably one of the best campy horror movies it's a prototype for (laughs) cabin in the wood movies go watch evil dead with bruce campbell um let's see my uh i have notes on it but none of them are that funny um there's a, a chainsaw in this movie i i think I, I wrote the tennessee chainsaw massacre because it takes place in tennessee and uh but he doesn't, he doesn't use the chainsaw is the thing it's like the texas the tennessee chainsaw massacre that didn't occur that is not of note he doesn't Just use the chainsaw homage. until the second movie yeah it's a nod it's like a little easter egg because in the second movie he straps it to his arm uh then i watched the hills have eyes and that's the last horror movie that i've watched you get it we did it. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes so is cool. It, so what I want to mention about The Hills Have Eyes is that uh, you guys have seen Scream, right? I know, Matt, you said that's one of your favorite horror movies. Yeah. I really like Hills Have Eyes, too. I've seen the original? The 1977? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a remake from like 2005-ish that's pretty good, too. Um, but the 1977... Hmm. It, Dan, have you seen Scream? Yeah, the first one. Just mm-hmm. And that was a pretty long time ago. But yeah, I've seen the first one. So the guy who directed Scream in like the early 2000s, late 90s, uh, he also directed Wes Craven. He also directed uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I believe. Uh, I think this was one of his first movies uh, in 1978, uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Um, it's pretty good. It came out, it's definitely inspired by, uh, like definitely heavily influenced by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it's about these like sunburnt hillbillies cannibals uh, out in this case in like Nevada or like Southern California somewhere in the desert. Uh, Matt, what did you think of the Hills of Eyes? Oh, it's been so long ago. I, all I remember is that I liked it. I thought it yeah. was good. Yeah. It's, it's a cool movie. It's uh, just this, this family they're like, they're on a road trip and their car breaks down in the middle of the desert and they get attacked by these like mutant cannibals. So it's like the Texas chainsaw massacre, but the, the mutants, the mutant cannibals come to you. Rather than you going into their house. And there's no musical scene. And there's no musical scene a la the Breakfast Club-esque sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, go watch that. Um, but yeah, so those are my 14 movies for the Halloween grab bag so far. Um, it's been good. Oh, and also The Void. I watched The Void. That was really, really good. That's yeah. probably yeah, good. the best movie that I haven't seen uh, that I watched this month. It's, Sweet. Uh, well, awesome. that's going to get replaced by t- Bone Tomahawk when you watch it. Yeah. You better watch it this year. I will. I will watch it. Uh, I'm really stoked to watch that. I'm really stoked. To, I, I'm really excited to watch that and uh, and Mandy, uh, Bone Tomahawk and Mandy this month. Those are movies that I have not seen that I think I'll really love. I also, I'm going to watch The Exorcist. I haven't seen that. 
It's like a movie I feel like every horror fan should probably have seen, and I have not, so I'm going to watch that too. So uh, yeah, I look forward to another me rattling off the horror movies that I've watched uh, next week. Um, so do you guys remember over an hour ago when we said we were going to talk about other things besides uh, my Halloween movie update? I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it's such a long time ago that I, I struggle to recall, but... Um, I'm stretching my brain trying to think about it. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm stretching my brain boner a la the pineal gland from from beyond. Uh, and it's telling me that, uh, Dane, you and I this week played quite a bit uh, separately, distinctly, um, discreetly uh, of Hades. Uh, well, tell me what you think about Hades. Uh, I played in Early Access and I loved it. Um, this is your first time playing it? You did not play Early yeah, Access? Yeah, I, I only actually heard about it like probably the day that it came out of early access. Cause I think everybody was just like, Oh, it's a real game. Now we can play it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started hearing about it then. Like I didn't even really know about the game until like, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And I was like, had it on the back burner of like, Oh, I should try that game out because lately I've been getting into, um, a lot of roguelikes. I mean, we've probably talked about them before, but, um, risk of rain two kind of opened my, opened my eyes to the, the concept of them a little bit. Uh, I, I was, I, I tried to get into, um, what's that one game that's like a dungeon crawler and you play as like the, the Bible thump character. Diablo? <laughs> the Bible, the Bible thump emote on Twitch. What the hell is that game? Binding um, of Isaac? Yeah. Binding of Isaac. I tried playing <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried playing that game and I, I couldn't get into it. And I think it was just cause of the controls I wasn't really into. Yeah. It's like a um, twin stick shooter. Is the controls in that? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the twin stick thing. Um, so I just didn't get into it. And it also kind of felt a little bit more like a bullet hell than anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And those and kinds Hades, of games I don't H- like. Hades has some bullet hell aspects to it for sure. It does. And I that's uh we'll get into that's probably one of the drawbacks of the game. If I had yeah, to name like things that I don't like about it, it's in the the dungeons where it spawns a bunch of the bullet hell enemies all at once. Like yeah. the witches, like the witches circle boss fight is off. It's awful. Oh it's not fun. It's just like not a fun boss fight at all. <laughs> because the, the bo- they're just like, the oh, just projectiles also. everywhere. Huh? Yeah. It's the bone, the, the, the third stage of the bone hydra fight where there's like, like six mini hydras and they're all shooting stuff at you. Yeah. Uh, that one's a little bit crazy. more manageable because at least, um, a few of the bone hydras are, are are on the other side of the map, so you can kind of have time to dodge the projectiles, and they're relatively slow moving. Sure. Um, but yeah, there is a, like an aspect of that that fight where I feel like I go into it knowing that I'm going to take damage. Like, there's not really any way to avoid taking damage in that fight. So, but, Dane, for people who haven't played it, can you just explain what, sure. like what what Hades is? So it's it's like a dungeon. I mean, like it's a rogue light. People, I don't really know what a roguelike is because I feel like uh, I've only ever played the ones that people call a roguelite. But, um, you know, you start off at zero and then as you move through dungeons, you get more loot, you get more upgrades to your character, and then you move on dungeon to dungeon until the end. And when you die, you have to start over. I mean, that's pretty much the definition of a roguelite as far as I know, sure. right? Um, yeah. But it's also um, heavily narrative driven. Apparently, I don't really know very much about the developers. Uh, super oh, awesome, so big, cool. super, super big, <laughs> super big, awesome, uh, epic games. <laughs> What's it called? 
Super giant, super giant games. Super giant games. Uh, apparently, they've made a bunch of other games that are very narrative driven. I've never played any of them, but some bangers. Um, they they did Bastion, uh, Transistor, uh, and Pyre before this. Yeah. So apparently, those are all more narrative driven. Uh, is from what I can tell, based on like the very limited knowledge they have about it. So it's very clear that they were they were still going to utilize all of that that talent and that uh stuff in this game and it actually shines it really shows through like i um i did not expect to like the story or the characters of this game because um i'm not a big fan of like cell shaded um like anime-ish kind of art styles most of the time but this is very it, it is very like aesthetically pleasing for the most part like the art is actually very uh pretty um and i could probably do without like the character design aesthetic like i could go i could take it or leave it but they do a really good job of designing like established characters because it's like based on greek mythology Wait, um, what, what do you mean when you say you could take or leave the character design aesthetic like uh it's kind of like um anime like i don't know how to describe it like it's it looks like fan art to me like it looks like yeah, stuff exactly you'd see on art, but really polished yeah exactly um, and that kind of, I don't know, it's very overdone, I think. And, um, so, so it didn't really, um, stand out to me, but I do like the, the way the characters are written and it kind of grows on you over time. So it's not really that big a deal, but I took one look at the art style and I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to really care about the storyline of this game. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Immediately I was just like, uh, it's probably going to be some anime game that I don't really care about, but I'm going to try the game for the gameplay because I like roguelikes, uh, roguelites rather. And I've been hearing that it's really well made and it's been in early access for like two years. So they've been po- like polishing a lot of the balance and stuff. So by now it should be like a good like game to play. Um, but when you play through it, it's really interesting. Like there's a hub world that's kind of the house that you start in. I mean, the plot of the game is pretty simple. It's like you're Hades' son. And you want to get out of hell, you want to leave, you don't like it there. So you have to fight through all of the the levels of hell uh, to get out. Um, you start from the bottom level and then you go up like three levels and then you have to fight Hades to get out. Um, and if you die, you go back to the house of Hades and it's kind of like the hub world where you can talk to a bunch of NPCs you can talk to Hades and he's just like, haha, you didn't make it out. You suck. And there's a bunch of other characters that you can interact with. You can like talk to the the bosses <laughs> that you had previously fought. I think you mo- mostly just talked to one of the bosses, but, um, and you can like every single time you do, uh, do a, a run. Every time you go back to the hub world, almost all of the NPCs have something to say, or the NPCs move around. And like, I think that that's really interesting because, um, another rogue video game that I like to play is uh, Slay the Spire. And, um, that has absolutely no storyline to it. It's just, uh, you, start a run and then you go and then whenever you die, you go back to the main menu and then you can click play again. Um, and I realized playing this game that, uh, it's, it's like more addictive if you have something to do in between runs, because, um, I don't know after you die in like a roguelike, uh, if you spend like 40 minutes on a run (laughs) and then you died in some bullshit way, it's a little harder, I think to press play again if you have to like press it immediately, that makes sense. Like a lot of slay the spire runs end after like a, f- a couple tries for me. 
because it's just like, damn it, I didn't make it. And then you don't really have a whole lot of time to cool down. <laughs> I don't know if that makes it that's relatable no, to anybody. Saying. It's negative space. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have time to kind of cool down and like re-examine your guy. You can go back into the to the like your room and go to the mirror and upgrade your skills. You can go around and kind of like forget about um the gameplay for a bit and kind of like progress the storyline. And then by the time you've done all that, you kind of are ready to, to go again. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a nice little break. <laughs> and not a whole lot of rogue lights have that break aspect. Like I love Risk of Rain 2, but after you die in Risk of Rain 2, you just go back to the main menu and you can press play again and there isn't really a whole lot of um natural breaks i mean you have to physically decide like to get up and go get some water or something but the game kind of like leads you into those breaks and i think that's really um uh, it, it really lends to like the replayability in like long sessions for me <laughs> because it kind of makes it um makes the 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 like highs and lows have these really established like peaks and valleys that are that are really um i don't know really satisfying and um not to mention i mean we talked a little bit about this over text but uh it does it also helps a lot that the characters are really well designed and really well written and really well voice acted like they really went all out on making the story aspect of the game like actually interesting on its own instead of just being tacked on which i think is great it's really difficult and really rare i think for a game to have like really good gameplay and really good writing. Like, I don't know. I feel like one of those has to be tacked on most of the time, especially for indie studios. So it's pretty impressive that they were able to like pull it off. In my opinion. Yeah. I think like this whole, the the whole game feels like uh, all of the systems in it live together rather than like toggling through menus of like, Oh yeah, I want to do this. I want to equip that. Um, there are menus and you do equip things, but it all just kind of feels like like what would happen in that world. Like in the world of Hades, when you die in the underworld, you like wake back up again. You emerge from a pool of blood and like are still alive because that's like the torment of being in hell. And every time you die in this game, like you come back from the pool of blood and then there's like a Greek, the Greek god of sleep is like, like, oh, you just got fucked up by... Like the bone hydra, like that must suck. The bone hydra is the worst and everyone is talking to each other and the story keeps building on itself and like other characters are aware of like the fact that you keep dying and their relationship with you builds as you die because you're still the same character. It's like Groundhog Day where everyone knows that you're repeating the same day, including <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, like the characters are also likable. Um, there's only a handful that I don't like absolutely love. Like it's really hard to like pick your favorite Greek God. Cause like, uh, the way to power up your builds, like the, the thing that makes it a, one of the things that makes it a roguelike is that during each run where you're trying to escape, they're called escape attempts, uh, during each escape attempt, uh, you get power ups, um, by calling upon gods of Olympus who are trying to help you like leave the underworld because there's some sort of story that's unraveled as you die and play again uh, about how, like why exactly you're leaving the underworld and why these gods want to help you. And you call on their help and they give you like boons. Like they give you these power-ups that make your, like give you different powers and abilities during your run. 
and those are removed when you die. But like, it's not just like in Risk of Rain, for instance. Like, you open a vending machine and you pick, you put like a, a you know, like a doodad on your on your head and a you know necklace on, and all of a sudden you have power up X and power up Y. Like the power ups you get are all contextualized by the things that your character is doing in the story. Um, really well, like the, the 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 contextualizing of things in this game, I've never really seen before. And I've played a lot of uh, roguelikes and a lot of uh, just games in general. And I think that's just a unique thing about Hades is that like it feels like the characters in the world are building out these systems for you. It's uh, yeah, it's really fun. Well, the power ups in Hades, I think, are more akin to uh, Slay the Spire because it's oh, like uh, oh, okay, well. And Slay this well, Slay the Spire is half a half roguelike, half deck building game. But I mean, like the cards that you get into your deck, I mean, like once you surpass thirty cards in your deck, like you're kind of stacking your deck in a, you're like over over packing your deck. So like you only really have um, a handful, literally, of of powers. Risk of Rain is definitely designed in a way where it's just like the entire point is just kind of like find as many like things as possible and then just like stack them as much as possible to the point where you're like unstoppable that's the entire point of the game but um with this game it's definitely more subtle like each power up does something significant but um but not too significant if that makes sense like it's always like just enough to get you past the next part but not enough to make you like totally overpowered and the part that makes the the character work is usually um, correctly choosing other boons to work with the build that you're going for and stuff like that, instead of just like just picking whatever. So I don't know. It, it's definitely a little bit more, you have to be a little bit more precise, I think with your choices rather than like uh, risk of rain, which is basically just like, Oh, I opened like 10 vending machines and I only got like two good items, but that's good enough. You know, like yeah, if you, yeah, if like- you choose wrong, if you, if you like get a bad, if you get like three bad boons in a row, then like you're probably going to re- lose your run. <laughs> like it's, it, you have to be a little bit more precise and you have to be a little bit more smart about what you're choosing instead of just kind of like, I don't know, spamming through like just running through levels and like just picking whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's a little less random than just like cracking open loot that you might in another uh, roguelike, like in Binding of Isaac, for instance, like, you just walk into a room and there might like after you defeat all the enemies, there might be an item that'll help you. Or there might not in Hades, every single room gives you the choice for the most part uh, of what reward you're going to get for clearing the next room. So yeah. you're not like breaking open vases and stuff to pop out items or like opening vending machines. Like you might in risk of rain, you're, you're choosing like what your fate is after the end of the next room. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I do like it and it feels it feels like they've really fine-tuned the ability to make your own destiny. And that's like the thing that I I sometimes like struggle to play uh the roguelike video game sometimes if I'm just like if I feel like there isn't a whole lot of agency, which is something I learned from uh, it's a word that I learned from the Risk of Rain devs because they apparently in their in their 1.0 update they were just like we wanted to improve player agency which basically just meant like uh the feeling of control of your own run or your own destiny when it comes to like (laughs) uh choosing things you don't want to feel like you're at the mercy of of rng when you play these games i mean even though it is intended intentionally like entirely based around randomness i feel like the real sweet spot of making those kinds of games good 
is making sure that there is a random element to it, but you want the player to feel like they can make their own luck. And I feel like Hades does a really good job of doing that. Like you don't really feel out of control that much. And you can look back on your run and say like, oh, I could have played that better or I could have done something better. And uh, that's really good. I think that that's really like kind of difficult to do. <laughs> so it's it's pretty impressive. I I never played it during early access, but I'm sure that all of that like fine tuning happened during that during that period of the game. So I'm really glad that it was an early access, and I'm really glad that there are a lot of people who probably suffered through all of the early parts of the game where there probably wasn't a whole lot of player agency, and it definitely did feel a little bit more random. And it's cool that they clearly it, it, and maybe I, I'm wrong, but it seems like they went out of their way to make sure that you definitely feel a little bit more in control of the the chaos but uh it's still got chaotic elements to it that are that are interesting at least yeah they've definitely fine-tuned it uh since since the last i played which wasn't that long ago um it was probably like within a year that i played it it's been in beta or in early access for two years but like i think super giant games is a studio that has a lot of goodwill from the video game community and when they make something, people generally get pretty excited about it to the point where like uh, almost a year ago at this point, uh, like seven, eight months ago, Matt and I were at PAX East in Boston. And this is, you know, like seven, eight months before this game even came out. Like there was people cosplaying uh, Hades uh, at PAX East. Do you remember that, Matt? Yeah. It's just wow. like super giant games. Just people, people like them. And uh, I think that led to a really successful early access uh like feedback cycle. Like if you, you can actually watch it. One of the coolest parts about Hades, in my opinion, uh, as a total nerd for this stuff is that there's a whole documentary series about its early access, uh, journey about all of the updates. Um, like for the most part, so the way that early access worked is they would have a big, uh, a big update that introduced like, uh, a new God or a new part of the game. So for instance, there was a, one of the later updates they did that I played was called like the long night. Uh, I think uh, update where they introduce the character of Nyx, who is like your mother character in the game, who is one of these Greek God characters who's floating around in the uh, like hub world in the beginning of the game. They fleshed out her character and added a whole bunch of uh, stuff with her and other, other characters and other features, but it's centered around her being added as a character. And um, the documentary series that no clip produced on Netflix or on, oh, sorry, on YouTube that you should check out, uh, I think it's called Hades Developing Hell. Um, it's like a probably five or six part documentary series. Um, yeah, I'm on like ongoing. part three right now. <laughs> it's really dope. Uh, the Supergiant Games, the studio is really small, but everyone seems like everyone there seems like they are extremely good at what they do. And it's really interesting to hear them talk about the design decisions, decisions that were made during the early access period for different parts of the game. Um, it's uh, I'm really impressed with Hades. It feel as someone who has like kind of paid attention to super giant games since they put out their first game, uh, Bastion in like 2000 and like, I want to say somewhere between 2008 and 2010. Um, it's pretty cool to see them continue to build upon their success in really, uh, really positive ways. And it seems like Hades is kind of the culmination of the journey that Supergiant Games has, has gone through so far. Um, 
having gone through like the first three episodes of the documentary, like how do you feel about Supergiant Games, uh, Dane? I think they're great. Like they're like the definition of what indie games is to me. Like that's what that's what like every indie indie developer should strive to be is is that that studio. Like the vibe, yeah. everybody having like their own job. Like I I think that there's like some indie game studios seem to have this idea that like being an indie developer means that there's like one or two guys that does everything. And I feel like that that is actually kind of a a weakness of a lot of indie games. And you can kind of tell when a game is made by like two people who are just like doing everything. (laughs) Um, I think the, a good sweet spot of like an indie developer is like 10 people and each person is designated like one job and then they're just really good at their job except in the case of Supergiant, there's one guy who does like a million different things but he's like an he's like a freak of nature the the, uh, the, the sound he- yeah the sound developer guy apparently he makes he he edits all of the sound he mixes all of the sound he writes and composes all of the music he like voices like three or four different characters including the main character and uh yeah that man yeah, so is so he's is, the audio he, guy. Yeah, he's, he's just the, the audio guy. He's the audio guy. Like any th- if it's if it's sound then he's in charge of it, which I think is like overkill, but apparently they found Superman to work on their game, so whatever. And the music, the music in any super giant game. It's so good. Is it so is. Good. So it's like it's good. like this like bluegrass uh bluegrass like steel string guitar uh <laughs> but also metal. It's uh Hades' music is the just, Hades just music awesome. is so great. Uh, it's great. I have it up like at a hundred percent, and I I play it at full blast when I play the game. You guys it's gotta great. you gotta look for that audio thing I was talking about. Uh, this was another uh, PPC, but um, I I've only watched Hades, which is why I haven't contributed a whole lot to this conversation because like I you don't said know you were watching your friends feels. play it for like twenty hours or something. <laughs> that yeah, counts as which is crazy. No, because like hours. I don't know how builds work. I know how bosses are and runs, but like I was viewing it at the at the point where my friends were able to like finish a run, like probably like eighty percent of the time. Yeah. Um, okay. So later game. So late, late, late game. Um. And so I saw like the end of the game, and then like the end of the game, pl- like all the stuff that comes after. Um. Which is why I'm discouraged because it's like such a cool, it's like, it's a perfect template for like the story makes sense. The world makes sense for like this character to keep doing this thing and have a story go through. And so I'm bummed that I watched that because now I can't experience it. You know what I mean? It's so good. No, I know. It's kind of like if you, uh, if you watch a movie before you read the book that inspired the movie, I feel like it'd be like that experience where if the book is good enough. You're still gonna love it. Like, oh yeah, and the, like, the game looks sick, but like it's just that fact that it's like, oh, I've seen how I don't know, like I, I've seen how good this story is told contextually, like in this game. Like it makes sense that when you die, you come back, and then everybody's like, "Good fucking job, idiot!" Like you're never <laughs> gonna get out of here. <laughs> like, like it's cool that you can have people just like they will respond to what you've done and like you can go do quests for them. And so when you die, like you'll come back and do it again. Um, but the reason I, I chimed in was the one thing that I don't know if I like, but it's like, it's jarring, but it sounds really cool. It's when there's that like heavy, like metal Hades music. 
whenever like Hades or your character talks, they will like just dip it really quick and you'll hear the voice line where like, but the music's still going in the background, maybe like two, 5%. And then as soon as the voice clip is over, it will just like ramp back up. And it's like kind of jarring, but Mm. at the same time it like, I don't know. It feels like really epic in a way, <laughs> but I, I I heard it so many times uh, watching my friends go through that Hades battle that it just stuck out to me. And I'm surprised you guys hadn't noticed it. Um, no, the uh, I I've I have noticed it, but it hasn't been a problem for me. I think because like you describe it as epic, and that's a really good way to describe Hades because it just feels like it feels like you are on a mission in Hades like there's all these cool touches where Zagreus the main character he is just like all he wants to do is escape the realm of Hades like to the point where there's all this furniture all these like big cushy couches and tables and chairs uh in the like hub area uh, and like the palace in Hades and you can't sit in any of these chairs like other characters can but anytime you go up to a chair and interact with it to sit in it Zagreus is like no I gotta get out of here like I don't have time to sit <laughs> so like the whole the whole and, and like uh, the design of the game is built around this too where you're going forward room to room it's not like Diablo where you're exploring around and all these like uh, this this huge like catacomb where you need to comb every corner no you are going like from one end of a room to another and repeating that like a hundred times because like you're just getting the fuck out of town. So it feels epic. So whenever you're interrupted by like you're going through a room and you just beat it and then your dad like comes on the intercom basically and is like, son, like stop trying to escape. I'll get you. It just, it adds to that. And I, <laughs> I, I like it. I think it's a cool effect. Yeah, no, I, I like it too. It's just, it, I haven't like if they hadn't, nailed it though i think it would sound shitty which is why it's cool it's a flex so, yeah it, it is a flex yeah because that sound guy is so fucking good yeah yeah, yeah shout he's out super, to he's superman <laughs> friend of the pod uh whatever that guy's name is uh very cool very cool keep it up proud of you <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so hades honestly i've seen a lot of people say that hades is their game of the year and i don't blame them Honestly, it's not my game of the year. My game of the year so far is The Last of Us Part Two because that's just one of the best like movies or games I've ever personally experienced. But uh, Hades is really fucking good, and especially if you love if you like dungeon crawlers. Like Dane, I know you had recently played your first dungeon crawler with Minecraft Dungeons. Like, how how would you say this compares to that? I know you really liked uh, Minecraft Dungeons. Well, well, ironically, Minecraft Dungeons is actually I feel like closer to the other game that we were going to talk about. And it's actually kind of a nice segue. Uh, I feel like Minecraft Dungeon prepared me for my experience of playing uh, Rat Man, Rat Game. Uh, <laughs> rat Game. A Vermintide. Un- untitled Rat Game? Yeah, Untitled Rat Game, uh, aka Vermintide 2. Um, because that one has like RPG elements in it. And like there's like a, a loot grinding system. Like the gameplay is very similar to Left 4 Dead, where you're just trying to get to the end of the level and there's hordes of enemies running at you and you just kind of swipe at them with a big hammer. But um, but the point of the game is very similar to Minecraft Dungeons where at the end of the dungeon, you get a loot crate and you open the loot and you get like an upgradable weapon and then you have to like upgrade your character's power by upgrading all of your loot and all that stuff. It's very, and Minecraft Dungeons like prepared me for that concept. 
because I had never played like a Diablo like game before. So I was uh I was kind of on board with that immediately with that game. But I'm gonna be honest, like I mean, have you played um either of you played Vermintide two? Oh, I played a shit ton of Vermintide too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I love that game. Yeah. Gus didn't like it. I think he said he tried it. Um No, I have not. Okay, so I won't say too much because I've honestly. Oh, you were talking it. shit after seeing my gameplay. That's what it was. Yeah. So yeah. we did. We talked about this in the pod, and Matt edited in some footage of him playing it. And I love a good hammer fight where people are fighting with hammers. And it didn't seem like there was a there was a good like smack, like a good impact on the rats that you are smashing with hammers. <laughs> I will tell you all. I will tell you this because I 100% understand what you were talking about, Gus. Because I watched, uh, I I watched these guys who uh, play video games. Oni plays. He's like an animator, mm-hmm. and he plays He's with awesome. a couple of yeah. He plays a couple other other animators um, that I really like, like uh, Psychic Pebbles and uh, Lyle uh, McDouchback. Uh, they played through. <laughs> um, they played like. They have like four or five videos where they played through a couple levels of Vermintide. And I mean, I like those guys. So like, I just like listening to them talk because they're funny. But the gameplay was very boring to me. I'd never even seen Vermintide before. I've heard people talk about it, but I've never even seen the gameplay. And watching it, I was just like, oh, this is just Left 4 Dead, but you don't have a gun. I mean, you can get a gun if you want, but it's not like you're not like mowing people down with an AK. So um, yeah. I don't know. It didn't really look that fun, but playing the game is differently different because I'd say that they have nailed the satisfying smack of a rat uh, in the game. <laughs> and that the is smack. why the, and that is why the game is fun. I think that the loot system is kind of boring personally. I think that unfortunately, I think that I wish that the looting, the like finding new weapons and like upgrading your weapons and getting weapons with cool like stats on them and stuff. Ironically, I think like Minecraft Dungeons did it better. <laughs> like I had a lot more fun with the the loot grind in Minecraft Dungeons than I have been having in in Vermintide. However, what keeps me coming back to playing Vermintide 2 is that it's very satisfying to take a big sword and just kind of cleave through 10 or 15 rats and watch their heads fly off and just do that repeatedly and just kind of like swing a giant pickaxe through a large group of uh rats. And the rat men are snarling at you. They're running at you. They're they're gnashing their little rat teeth. And you just kind of, um, you take a big pickaxe and you swing it down on the rat's head. And it makes a big satisfying slack. like a, And uh, the pickaxe goes through their brain. <laughs> and you get to do that like 10 or 15 million times. And that's what's fun about the game. I mean, like, <laughs> it's very, um, I don't know. A lot of people who play it a lot, like, I play, I've been playing it with my friend Gene, who is really big into uh, the game, and he like talks endlessly about how intricate like the the melee combat system is, and it is it can get very intricate, especially if you play certain characters, because there's like a block system and a parry system. Um, however, I don't know. Uh, I don't really care about any of that. <laughs> I just kind <laughs> of like swinging my hammer and uh, smashing rats, so, uh, and you can uh, do that. Good man. Good man. Dave. I'm going to go on a limb. You know, I haven't played it myself, but you sound like a guy who appreciates a good rat smack with a hammer. So sure. Uh, I'll give it a shot. I'll give Vermintide a shot. This is two people. I Might as well. I, saying I, it's a good rat smack. <laughs> like you got to play with friends though. It won't be yeah, fun by yourself. hundred percent. 
I, I mean, I've played it with the, I played it by myself in like random lobbies. And uh, I think the game is populated by a lot of people who play the game all the time. So like, it's very much the experience that I was having. It, it depends on who you play with. Okay, because I've been playing it with my friend who's very patient and he's very nice and shout out to him. He's great. However, I guarantee you I would not like the game at all if I was just playing it with randoms who expect me to know, like, know what to do. Yeah, um, where's the tome? Yeah, where's, where's the tome? <laughs> yeah, it's like, where are you going? We're going to get a tome or like pick up this tome, dude. It's like, I don't want to pick it up. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I don't know. It It's very, um, I'd liken it to my experience of playing uh, Left 4 Dead, which honestly... I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big Left 4 Dead fan for the sole reason that I don't play it that much. And if you don't play it that much, then it's not going to be fun because everybody else knows where to go and you don't. And if you don't know where to go, then you get tackled by a jockey and then everybody gets mad at you. And that can be the experience in Vermintide 2 100% if you don't play with friends who are very patient or just don't care if we win or lose. Or if you're playing with people who don't care that we're playing on the baby normal difficulty because the normal difficulty i think is probably the most fun to play on because it's not hard and uh, a lot of people who but play hard gets really too, good huh hard gets i mean it, it's all levels like when you you when you hit the point where normal is like just absolutely no challenge you'll go to hard and yeah yeah we started playing on champion and that started to get a little bit more our speed uh but the last few times that I played, my friend was like, oh, let's play on like legendary or something, which is like super Fuck hard that. difficulty. And he's like, yeah, dude, we got to play on legendary because the lowest tier of item that you can get in champion is like, or he said the highest tier of item that you can get in champion is like the lowest tier that you get in legendary. Like there's a, like you get way better loot. I was just like, okay, let's try it. And like the entire time I just felt like a, a fucking wet sock like who like <laughs> didn't know what he was doing we were playing with a couple of other randos who were like clearly max level i was like the lowest level guy like by like eight levels and like i kept dying i kept getting fucking knocked off the ledge and people kept trying to help me up and i was just like this sucks like that i don't <laughs> i'm not here to like do a marathon i just want to fucking drive my goddamn pickaxe into a rat's head for fuck's sake i don't care about any of like this like marathon shit like where we're trying to like perfect the game uh so i feel like if you go into it with a bunch of friends who are like totally cool with being casual about the game and just there to have fun and like goof around and and just like i don't know slash some rats up and stuff uh then i think that's pretty fun but when you start getting into like the the hardcore aspect of it and a lot of the online community is very much the hardcore aspect of it because you can clearly tell that this is the only game that they play like that's where it starts getting a little bit more too tryhardy for me, and uh, kind of uh, sucks the fun out of up, it. Though. Well, I don't know. He, I think he, that he, he probably have thought you into legendary. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I told him I was just like, I don't really want to play legendary anymore. He's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but he's been playing since like day one, so like I don't really blame him for thinking that we should. He he thought I was ready, <laughs> but I was just like, yeah, no, but- I'm never gonna be ready for that, man. I just don't care about the game that much. You will be if you keep playing it. You will be ready. Like the reason you were a wet sock. Mostly was probably because your book levels. Because I haven't memorized every little rock on the map. Like no, no, that's no, the it's thing. not even that. Like that, it, like that's important for like tomes and stuff. But like the the shitty part about this game is how power level works. Because like, do you have? A, do you know how that works? How the difference between like your character level and yeah, your power yeah. level? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's not like Left 4 Dead where, like, Left 4 Dead is very much, like, you need to know everything, and, like, you have to have these maps memorized. Otherwise, you can't do expert, and you have to work really hard together. Like, Legendary, like, yeah, you got to work together. It's a four-player co-op game. Um, But if you guys are all, like, power cap, then it's not too bad. But if you're not there, then it's just, like, a miserable experience because you can't kill anything. (laughs) You know, and you're just yeah, kind of sure. there to be a burden. Like that just <laughs> Yeah. I'm just saying you might like you should give another shot when you get a max level character. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm 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 not saying that I'm I'm just like, yeah, I'm never gonna do it again. But I'm just saying like that's been my experience for the game. Like I'm not interested in like hundred percenting the game oh yeah or anything like that. I just think it's a satisfying game to play and it's fun like as like kind of a background thing for me at least despite me playing with somebody who is like very into the game and and is he like memorized where all the tomes are in every map and like he knows everything so dan if you think this is something like a game to just have on you could just have on hubie halloween <laughs> what i mean by that is like when you're talking to somebody like yeah i could talk to my friend on normal difficulty about like whatever and still like slash rats but whenever we were getting into the harder difficulties, like what we were talking about was the fucking what we were doing. Yeah. Because it, like it, de- gotta, it demanded our attention. Calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like jogging and running, you know? I have to turn the volume of the game up louder than my friend so I could hear when the fucking assassin rat spawns. God, I hate that thing. <laughs> Dude, the, 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 the stupid rat with the stick, the choker one. The choker, like ones, away. the choker ones are really loud, so I'm I'm cool with those ones because you can hear them coming a mile away. The things that I hate are the ones that that summon the big um, green storms because sometimes they spawn so far away from your party that you'll just never find them and the storm yep. will kill everyone and you're like, I didn't even see where the guy was, so how am I supposed you, to kill him? <laughs> and if you don't have ranged, uh, good luck. Yeah, then it spawns somewhere, like on a cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that that's the worst fucking enemy is the, the one that spawns the big green storm. Uh, every other one is is pretty easy to look out for once you know what they sound like. But yeah, the yeah, disabler dude, rats are still kind of like stressful. <laughs> the plague rats, those really suck on like yeah. uh, high dip when they when they just shred you like instantly. Yeah, because like you them. can't you can't do anything. Yeah, I don't think you can stun them. They just kind of, uh-uh. they gank you and they, they just are relentless. Yeah. Oh, that game's good. It um, is fun. Have, did, did you get the DLC? Uh, no, but uh, my friend said to get two of the DLCs uh, and the rest are useless. Okay. I'd That's be what, interested. I forget if which one he said. There's, so a lot of the DLCs are like map packs. I think those might be the useless ones because. Yes. He can... specifically said that he, he hates the the maps that are in the DLC. Okay, he oh, I really? just looked at the message. He said back to Uber Shrek and Winds of Magic and then he said don't get anything else, just get those two. Yep, that's the right call. Um All right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. because what's Winds of Magic uh is what I want to talk about mostly, but um the all the other ones, the reason they're useless is because you can play them for free as long as somebody else has them. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, so it's like there's no point. Um, but what's really cool about Winds of Magic is it is like a separate way to play the game where like the way power levels and level leveling up in um, the base game is like loot based and like getting weapons that slowly get better and better. And then you can choose perks for your character, like going through like a yeah. skill tree all the way up to 30. 
And the way it does it in Winds of Magic is everybody's at one again, and you get currency for completing these rounds that have like differing objectives that are actually pretty cool. Um, like it spices up the game. Uh, but then what you do is like after you finish a successful run, rather than getting well, you get a chest still for the base game, but you can't use any of that stuff because uh, you'll also get this currency that you can then spend on upgrading things that are like like abilities or weapons or just all this stuff. So it goes from like a loot game into like a big like RPG building game where you're just going to mm. build a character and you can make them just absolutely insane like you can just build characters with like really high crit it's like it's more like a oh. it it kind of turns into like how i think people play diablo um mm, or like okay. path of exile with a you know not a giant skill tree but still like a lot of flexibility it's like it just turns it into an rpg it's it's interesting um but a lot of people didn't like it because it's not it's not a loot game anymore. Yeah, too different um, from the the regular game, probably. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it's cool because it breaks it up and there's different objectives. Um, my friends and I, when we were all playing, we had a good time playing it. Yeah, I mean, he told me to get the one that has the throwing axes for the dwarf because he said that those are really fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. So, the second they sound fun. The 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 dwarf that can dual wield. Um, I think it's the second one you unlock of the dwarf. That one's the best. No, there's the Slayer, right? Slayer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Slayer. That's I haven't the played best any one. of that one yet. Actually, oh I've been God. playing a lot of the the Iron Breaker, the the tank build. What's dude, What's so cool about the Slayer is his ult is he yeah, does yeah. a cannonball. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he just he just yeets himself into the crowd and just stuns everything. It's so great. Yeah, it sounds fun. I I've been playing a lot of the the Iron Breaker because I I just like not dying. <laughs> yeah, you, you well, can just be invincible as the as the guy. Well, that's what's cool about the Slayer is you get temp HP off of like all the hits you do. Mm. So like on a full Slayer build, you'll just like eat yourself into the middle of a like a wave of enemies, and then you just start chopping at all of them. And like even if they hit you, which they won't because you have like increased attack speed, so you're gonna kill them before they can. Um, you get a, a bunch of temp HP for everything you kill. Yeah, yeah. So it, you just like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, so uh, are these, these builds you're talking about, are these like actual different characters? Like like visually different characters that you're playing as? Or are they just builds for the same guy? There are five, there are five like characters and they each have three sub classes, I guess. It's kind of like in TF2, you could play as like the engineer or you could play as like the battle engineer, you know, where you could, you could equip the gunslinger and you have 50, 50 or you have 150 health instead of 125. But instead of building level three century guns, you build many centuries, right? Like in, in this game, there's the dwarf character and he's got a big hammer and he's got all of these like abilities that make him a ranged character. I think like for the most part, he's like got a crossbow and a hammer and he can like crowd control yes. or or whatever or you could like play as the the secondary character which is called iron breaker and he's got uh a big uh axe or something and he's also got a big like gun that shoots fire but he's also got a bunch of abilities that makes him like really hard to kill and then the one that he was talking about the slayer character he's like a kamikaze and it all of, yeah. he's got a bunch of uh, like abilities that like basically make that character work 
a little bit more as like a as a Zerg kind of character. And he slashes really really fast with two axes and all that kind of stuff. So and you can choose those, and then you like find weapons that kind of help you with that build. I think and that's where the the loot system comes into play. So Gus, it's kind of like Destiny, where like you'll have your like Titan Warlock, and then there's like all the sub elements, but there's deeper things in how you choose your perks. Okay. To to tie it into like how I think like you 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 know all the destiny subclasses work right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it is yeah, it so. is very much like you could say that it, it's got the el- the the Diablo kind of dungeon crawling elements of like how you build your character but the gameplay is basically left for dead okay okay so you're kidding out your guy you're you're getting that like better sword that has a slightly higher number that does generally the same thing and increases your power level rather than like the way you play the game. Yeah. I see. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like this game has, and I know we've talked about this before, but it just sounds like it has so much going on. It sounds like this is a very, uh, I don't know if I'd it say is kind of a deep, co- yeah, it, it, it like is a deep kind game. of a deep game at its, co- at its core. Like you can definitely see that right away. However, I do think that it is very basic Like anybody could pick up the game and understand what is going on. You walk into a field with a bunch of rats running at you, you know, and you have a big sword in your hand. You know what to do. I I wonder what I do with this. You click the rat and he dies like (laughs) and you just keep doing that. Like it's not that hard to understand. But if you want to like go all out like nerd essay on it, then you could like you could just write a whole dissertation on essay. A nerd essay like you could write a nerd you could write an essay on like all of the different like things that you could do to make your character like as as all, uh, efficient as possible all In the different way to essay, kill rats there's probably so many video the efficiency of chopping the heads off of rats oh my god <laughs> uh yeah, I, see, that's how I approach uh, Left 4 Dead. I love Left 4 Dead too. I pop into that game every now and then, still to this day. And when I do, I don't like care at all about playing on like harder difficulties. I just like to go and you know smash my way through zombie hordes. So, yeah, yeah. Sounds like if I play this game like that, I'll have just as good, if not better, time because smacking rats with hammers, you know, maybe more satisfying than shooting zombies with shotguns. Definitely. I think that you will have fun. That's cool. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And it's set in the uh, the Warhammer universe, which sounds, it sounds seems like a super well fleshed out universe that I am not eh. familiar with. It's been around Warhammer since like sucks. the 80s or something, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't so. like Warhammer lore. I think that it's really cheesy personally. I think that yeah. it's like, if I had to like make a tier list of, of uh, medieval or fantasy lore, it'd probably be in like C or D for me. Well, you can just tell it came from the Uber neckbeard time. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, like, and there's there's some cool. It's based things on the tabletop. It. I mean, like, that's all you really need to know. Well, yeah, <laughs> but they like Games Workshop does a lot with like world building and stuff, and like there's there's some like I respect it. I don't like it a whole lot. Exactly. Like, that's how yeah. I feel about it. I don't have a problem with it existing. It's just not my taste. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah, more exactly. into. The Elder Scrolls kind of like Lord of the Rings type of stuff. Mm-hmm. More, yeah. Okay. Tolkien is more my. It, it's it's a far cry from. Tor- no, yeah, it's, it's it's it gets a little bit more into like dark fantasy, which I think is where it starts to get a little cheesy. It's the angsty guy that wrote his own Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Warhammer, not forty forty k. I think looks dope, but Warhammer forty k is even worse. 
Oh, okay. Well, fan, <laughs> fantasy, I, in Warhammer, my opinion, <laughs> it's, it's always struck me as, um, I don't know, just like discount D and D. You know, it's like why yeah. does Warhammer have to be its own universe? But I mean, I think it looks cool. It looks like angsty uh, Warcraft, like big armor, littler guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, they look like rescue heroes, but you know, mad. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's the lore surprisingly deep. What's uh, like a cool thing about Games Workshop, that's the company that owns Warhammer lore, is they care so like all the video games that are Warhammer are all done by different studios because they just um they f- just license everything out. But the way they do it is you can license an individual proper like property of Warhammer. Like it's super granular. Like you can license the goblin and you can make oh, a game about the goblin. You can't talk about anything else in Warhammer, but you can call it a Warhammer goblin game because you've <laughs> licensed the goblin. Well, I know what we should make. Yeah, right? I kind of want to like Warhammer like, goblin. Like, yeah, dude, like that would be sick. Like, just <laughs> run around being a little goblin. <laughs> Warhammer colon goblin. Dude, he could he could be voices like Adam Sam. <laughs> Uncut goblins. (laughs) Uh, I'm a goblin. I'm a a goblin. goblin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So on this on the Hubie scale of is it safe on Halloween or is it not safe on Halloween? I wouldn't feel safe around a goblin. (laughs) No, goblins seem unsafe. They'll steal. They'll steal or something. (laughs) I can't get over how funny that title is. Warhammer Goblin. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than Untitled Goblin Game. Can you imagine? Can you imagine buying a sixty (laughs) dollars Warhammer Goblin? (laughs) It's not that funny. I'm sorry. I'm gonna make like a fake, a fake like poster for that or something. (laughs) Yeah, you. But the thing is, you know that war that fans of the goblins from Warhammer, like people who spent $700 <laughs> on a painted set of goblins would come out of the woodwork and like granularly critique you on yeah. every little design choice you make on how you present their goblin. Yeah, they epic. weren't the goblins in the Warhammer goblin were not faithful to <laughs> the goblin aesthetic that's been established in the Warhammer lore. And here's a 10 page essay on why all of it is bullshit. <laughs> um actually um actually warhammer goblin a disgrace to the warhammer series yeah warhammer colon goblin we're like warhammer colon uh, absolute disgrace uh in this video essay i will uh yeah so vermintides vermintides is awesome uh, yeah it's pretty I'll cool. check it out yeah don't don't watch any videos of it because it, it Honestly, like the satisfaction just comes from you doing it. I think you watch someone else do it, and it doesn't really look like anything. Yeah, it's better played, for sure. Yeah. Okay, I'll keep that in mind because uh, I was totally just judging it based on Matt's gameplay that he edited into our last podcast we talked about Vermintide. <laughs> I see. I see. But I'm excited for maybe you know a few a couple podcasts from now after Matt finishes uh, <laughs> Warhammer Goblin. <laughs> 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 so we could talk about that and see how that plays out. Yeah. Um but uh okay, so Vermintide seems very good. 
And now we know about it. Dane, you know nothing about Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, explain correct? explain what that is, please. Okay. Explain uh, to the folks at home what Squadrons <laughs> is. Um, do you like TIE Fighters? I don't know. They're all right. <laughs> do you like... <laughs> Sorry, do you I like, should start with the better. <laughs> do you like goblins? Uh, do you like goblins? Do you like, uh, do you like X-Wings? <laughs> I don't know. Do you like, do you you've seen Star Wars, right? Yeah, what do what, I don't, don't the, the ships that they fly. I don't. Yeah. I don't have. I. I. You don't know their don't, names. You don't know what an X wing is. That's the plane that looks like an X. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to like space do I feel, What do I? I don't know how I feel about them. I think they're they're just the planes they fly. Dude. Okay. Well, I mean, a lot of people they were like, "Yeah, dude, X wings are fucking sick." Like, I thought. I thought maybe you know <laughs> they're fucking iconic, brother. I I don't know. I'm not a biggest. I'm not really a big Star Wars guy anymore. I used to be when I was like 15, but I haven't really thought about Star Wars that much lately. What? Okay. okay. So the it's X wings versus Tie Fighters. It's it's Star Wars, uh, space battles, uh, first person cockpit view only, and. It's like what? a five v five game. Yeah, so it's just a it's a space sim. Wait, you fly it's a multiplayer game. Yeah, and it's VR. Cool yeah, so that's what's really neat. So um, it's only VR, or is it? No, it's both. Oh, okay. Both. Um, <laughs> okay. I haven't actually played it in VR yet because that sounds like uh, it'd be make me sick to my stomach. Well, yeah, it's it's rough. Like if it's, I imagine it's going to be like. I played Elite Dangerous in VR, and that can really take it out of you. Um, yeah, I played No Man's Sky in VR, and yeah, yeah it's, uh, yeah, it'd be it's difficult. <laughs> um, it also doesn't work super well. Two of my friends have VR, and they've been trying it, and it's mm. uh, not performing great, so I've just been playing it standard. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, so yeah, a- you play you play first-person... So you, you fly around and you shoot other players? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a five v five squad based um, first person ship combat game, and okay. it's built kind of like I don't know. I want to say it's kind of like Battlefield, but that's kind it's far off. Like th- there's objectives, so there, there's two oh, okay. modes in the game. Um, and there's dogfight where you just fly around and you just shoot each other and you get to thirty kills. And that's just kind of like a warm up mode. And you respawn. Like, yeah, in in dogfights, you okay. Well, you resp- yeah, you always respawn. Uh, right. you, in both modes. Um, but yeah, you'll just respawn and you just shoot each other, and it's like a team deathmatch. Um, but the right. highlight mode of the game is called fleet battles, and the objective of that is there's each team has like a big star destroyer, like a big main mothership, and you the goal is to take out each other's mothership. And like the way that this ends up working is there's like these tides to the battle. So when the match first starts, it's a free for all and everybody has to, okay, free for all is the wrong word. It's a, you have a dogfight to start off the match where nobody has priority. And so everybody just has to like try to take each other out to get the advantage. And when you do that, then you enter, like, if you win or lose that initial opening fight, it will allow you to go on attack or defense. So if you go on, if you take out the enemy ships, you're on attack, then you can push forward and you can try to take out uh, the enemy's ship. And But as they defend and take out your ticks, it will 
push your advantage off, and then eventually you'll go on to defense where you have to go back to your side and then the other players try to attack. So you're basically kind of just trying to either take out their ship and hold your advantage by taking them out while you're on their side and you'll be like disadvantaged because there's going to be the their main starship is going to be firing at you. They're all closer, um, etc. You try to maintain your advantage while like taking out the ship and if you lose it will like go back. So there's this like kind of shifting back and forth motion of like what role you should be playing. And to kind of go in with these different phases of the game, there's a bunch of different ships. So there's not just like X-Wings or TIE Fighters. There's like a bunch of different more like builds that I guess are more accustomed to like a a class-based game. So like your X-Wing is like your general ship. It can do a lot, but it's not really amazing at anything. But then there's bombers that are really good at just going in there and like dropping bombs on the main capital ship of the enemy team. But they're kind of slow. And if somebody gets on one, they're going to have a hard time defending themselves. And then there's an A-wing, which is like an interceptor. And its whole thing is that it's really fragile, but it flies really fast. And you just kind of have to go in, try to kill somebody really quick, and then get out. But if you take a a couple shots, like you're just going to blow up. And then there's also a support ship where uh, it basically just like tries to fly around in the back uh, and will do some sort of supporting actions. And it has like Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways you can build it. So all these ships I've named, they have like standard parts, but they are all modular and you can customize how they play. So like Ooh. you can change the lasers and the engines and the power-ups and the missiles and your hull and your just everything. You can totally huh. rework how you want it to, to go. So you can do different builds with each type of unit also or each type of ship. Um, and what's really cool is with like support, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can just heal people and give people shields. You can do these things that are gonna like uh, make your entire team like have like a cloaking ability. So like if things are getting hot and your team needs to like pull out like pull out of an area, you can just cloak everybody and it'll make it harder for the other team to see them. You can mark targets so everybody will take like bonus damage that's marked. Like there's a lot of like cool deep ways you can build things and. Um, you can constantly change throughout the match. So if you're attacking or defending or whatever, like you can make calls and just swap out your ship and go to a loadout you already made and then start using that. And you can even do that when you die. So there's a lot of like there's a lot of different ways to approach each game, which is like what's so cool about it. Like I'll I'll be playing a certain class for a bit and then I'll switch it up. Um just because like the, there's such a it's a different way to experience the game like each build and each ship. Yeah, it's really cool. Huh. Yeah, I'm been watching some I just went to the Steam store page. Uh sucks that EA is in charge of it cuz that means it'll be fucking abandoned in, in a year, but <laughs> Yeah, but it, it seems cool. This game, so it, it's it's bizarre, but the the strangest thing about this game is like you know EA tries to make everything a fucking service where they're like, "Oh, we're going to have DLC and we're gonna they try to, but then they just abandon it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what they said with this game, they were like, okay, so this game, um, it's going to be $40. And everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. That's 
that's nice of you. And they're like, and there's going to be no DLC. Everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. And they're like, oh, and we're dropping it immediately. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, yeah. And everybody's like, no, what? Yeah. The $40 price makes me think there's microtransactions. Or are there? There's none. That's what's crazy. It's what just, the hell? Yeah. Right. It was like, it's just a Star Wars spaceship game. And they're like, we're not going to do anything else. Like, we're going to do bat. We're going to do like a performance and stability patches. But they okay. were like, yeah, we're just going to make this game and hands off. It's 40 bucks and that's all you pay. And it's cool. But also, like, I want more. So I'm bummed that they're not like. Yeah, it's weird it. that they would like come out with this like it's kind of an original concept of like especially the the online 5v5 aspect of it. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a kind of original or I don't know. I haven't really heard of very many like online games like that. Most online games are just like shooters. So, uh yeah, pretty cool. Uh yeah, I might actually check it out. Yeah, Only dude, 40 you, bucks if too. Do. If you do, uh we usually got a squad going so you can okay. join in. Well, uh, there's a single player as well, so it, yeah, but it's like check that out for a bit. Not su- yeah, it's not super great, but oh, it's basically right. just a huge tutorial. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, game's pretty good. It sounds a lot like Battlefield, the way you were describing. Yeah, the, and uh, the but it's a matches. little different because like Battlefield's like more players, you know, and that and that's why this game's a little different because it's not like it's only five v five. It's not like forty v forty. No, I just mean like the structure and like gaining the advantage. Yeah, like, yeah. That seems very Battlefield-esque. And I think that's a, I mean, Battlefield's awesome. So um, doing that in Star Wars, like I don't even know. I can't, honestly, I can't even imagine it. So I, I think it'd be pretty interesting to, to watch y'all play. Yeah, and they, they do a good job with like the maps because they kind of cover the gambit of what you expect. There's like a map where there's nothing. So you're just flying through space and you have no obstacles in your way. But then there'll be a map that has like a giant space station and you can go below the space station or go above it. And there's so or you can go in it. And so there's like all these like weird obstacles for how you can approach the other side or like get behind people. There's one that's just in an asteroid field. And that one's fucking hectic because you go in the middle and you just have to like bob and weave up and down to get through anything. And if somebody's like trying to lose you through there, like they'll just there's a good chance that they're going to get away because they can just zip around so much that you might end up killing yourself trying to get to them. So do a good job. Pretty good. Pretty good. So I know, Matt, you started playing Elite Dangerous in order to get uh, like accustomed to flight controls and to get hyped for Star Wars Squadrons. Do you think it lived up to the hype that you were expecting? Yeah, it was pretty good. Well, I, I'm mostly... Squadrons was like an excuse for us to like get really into Elite. I kind of got into Elite just because that game looked pretty neat, but this I was yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with how this game turned out. Like I'm bummed that they're not going to support it, which is like a bizarre thing to say. Like I'm I'm bummed that EA is not going to try to sell me more shit. Um cuz I would I would really like to see this game evolve over time. Um I'm hoping that they got a lot of good reception and like maybe make this like a every two years. What would that be? Biannual. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't yeah. see the reason, any reason why they wouldn't just like make a follow-up game. That's a little bit more polished. Cause I'm just kind of browsing through the steam reviews and, and a lot of the, even a lot of the uh, recommended reviews 
have at least one mention of somebody saying like it's not very deep like it's pretty just a standard like you get in and you fly around kind of game mm, so i don't know that, that's not the the flying it's not like elite dangerous deep but there's a lot of things that you that are more than just like fly spaceship and like press forward like like it, yeah i'm sure that a, when you get into like the competitive aspect of it it's probably got a little bit more depth to it but i think a lot of people are probably are pointing out that oh like range a, of options of ways yeah to play yeah it. that yeah, it's just yeah, kind it's of like light. yeah yeah that it's kind of a light game which for 40 bucks i mean like yeah it makes sense and a lot of people are like yeah it's it makes sense that it's 40 bucks because it's like it's not really a full like triple a game that you would expect i guess so I, I yeah. don't know, maybe maybe they put it out as kind of like a feeler and they're just like, I don't know if people would even like this kind of game. So let's just like put out part of a game and see if anyone likes it. And if the reception well, really- is good, maybe they could make sque- uh, uh, Squadrons 2 and actually like, you know, develop it for, for the intent of it being a full price game, you know. Well, this game is like, I think like the fourth or fifth in the, it's not like a strict franchise. It's like there's been a lot of spiritual successors. So there's like, I think there's just a game called X-Wing and a game just called TIE Fighter mm-hmm. that were single players versions of these, <laughs> like back in the like really shitty computer days. Like oh. I think it was like, yeah, like very like, like Windows ME or something crazy or maybe even like, I don't know. They're old. They're very old. Um, but then they made the Rogue Squadron games that were on like, I think it was on N64 and GameCube. Um, and they were basically this. Uh, but also mostly single player because they're on that, and they but they haven't made a game like this since then, since like I think the early two thousands. So this is like bringing back a dead franchise in a way. Yeah. Um. Cool. So yeah, I hope they keep doing stuff with it. Like I don't know how you make it deeper, but like I really like what it has. It's just it's just fun to play. I love Matt that. In the time that Star Citizen hasn't come out, <laughs> Elite Dangerous and a full-fledged, beautiful-looking Star Wars space simulator, dude, has come Star out. Star Citizen, man, what the fuck is that game? Uh, they just delayed again. They, of course, they well, that, no, that game is never coming out. That game is a social experiment to see how how like crazy people are uh, and anyone who downloads that game is is insane odyssey is getting its second like major uh content expansion that's like the wrong way to say it how do like, you make a content expansion for a game that doesn't exist no 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 so there's star citizen and there's elite dangerous <laughs> and elite dangerous oh. is the one that has been out and people have been playing the full game and they've made several expansions <laughs> yeah um, okay <laughs> <laughs> and and so they're doing a new one that's uh basically adding in a lot of features that Star Citizen is gonna quote unquote ship with like <laughs> you know like like walking on foot and being in interiors and stuff they're adding all that to Elite um and that's, honestly at this point it's like quote unquote Star Citizen <laughs> you know what I mean it's like- yeah I, Elite is just Star Citizen. <laughs> Elite's just better Elite's such a good game I gotta play that game I I, I really would do want to play it. Yeah, I was, it's, it's neat. I was I was interested in it when I was getting into No Man's Sky because I like the idea of flying around in space and stuff. Yeah, and you can earn an honest living. Like one of my 
favorite times playing what? that game. Yeah, yeah, like you can just be a space trucker, earn an honest living. Like I found a good route, <laughs> and for about six hours, I flew back. I flew back and forth just delivering materials. I was like, it's not, it's not glamorous, but it's honest work. <laughs> it's great. It is. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's fun because even that can be like enticing because like. What a like, stupid name for a game, by the way. Elite, elite dangerous? dangerous? Yeah, right. Like two it's, words that don't mean anything. Yeah. Well, well, it's because Elite is from a franchise that was also from like the Uber neckbeard days. Um, <laughs> oh. Which is what Star Citizen Star Citizen is uh, like a spiritual successor to Star Commander, Wing Commander, yeah. which yeah, are yeah, like yeah. Uber neckbeard PC yeah, games, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cursed time. We need to forget about that. <laughs> I mean, like, good stuff came out, like, but yeah, Elite Dangerous is a very, it's like, you hear that? It's like, that's like a shirt your grandma would buy for you at Target. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, that's what it sounds like. I would have, like, somebody say, have you played Elite Dangerous? Oh, wait, is that like a fighting game or like an action game? No, it's a space, it's like an open world space uh, sandbox. Yeah, it's why did they call it that then? Simulator. Why did they call it that then? <laughs> it makes no sense that like call it Star Star Trucker or something to indicate Star what kind of Trucker. game it is. I think yeah. it's a cool name because elite dangerous are two things that I am. You're elite and you're dangerous. All in addition to being elite, I am also dangerous. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, we should wrap up. We're already at like. What do you mean? We haven't talked tea. What do you, we have an entire segment. We don't. We, we don't have to talk tea. We can. We can talk tea next week. Oh my god! It's okay. still gonna be here. <laughs> I mean, if you hadn't talked about your movies for a goddamn hour, guess that was. It's, I, that's actually, freaking true. I'm on the okay. Hold. Your, I did enjoy it. I'm okay with. I that. literally am talking with our producer. One sec. Yeah, I, I'm on the line with our producers now, and that segment is testing really well. Our viewers <laughs> love it. Whoa. Um. Okay, so Matt, I think you're gonna have to. So just to circle back around to Hubie Halloween, oh my uh, god, <laughs> Matt, you uh, gotta put the uh, this picture that Dane put in the Discord of the Hubie Halloween Animal Crossing Island. Oh yeah, no, uh, I, already, I keep I okay. So do it. while you guys were talking about Vermintide and <laughs> and uh, Squadrons, I kept looking at this picture and giggling. So you might, I don't know, in the audio, you might hear my giggles because. I know who this guy is dressed up as, but there's a guy in here <laughs> in this picture who is dressed up as Freddie Mercury. But if you didn't know that, you might just, <laughs> you might just think he looks like that. This guy who is presenting the Animal Crossing oh. Island. He's a character for the movie. <laughs> but I, I kept laughing to myself because I was thinking like Dane saw this, has no idea that this is a actor in the movie. Because I thought T-Pain he just had is- massive teeth and a, and a mustache. <laughs> Because T-Pain's not in the movie. Lauren Lapkus isn't in the movie. No. But this kid is. <laughs> and in the movie, he's dressed as Freddie Mercury. So it's like an homage to his character. But also, like, T-Pain's not in costume, and neither is this other uh, Lauren Lapkus. <laughs> so, like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> All I'm saying is go watch Hubie Halloween. It's on Netflix. Uh, it is a smash hit. Uh, it's fun for the whole family. Uh, this is a family podcast. Uh, a lot of I actually get a lot of feedback that um, 
people like will sit down for dinner with their humongous families, hold hands, <laughs> say grace, and then listen to the motion pixels podcast as a family, as their family time. Uh, and I think that's really special. So uh, yeah, go check out all, fa- all the families out there. Go check out Hubster, the, uh, the Hubie Halloween special. Ernest does Halloween or whatever it's called. Uh, go check it out. It's a, it's a hoot. It's a, it's a hoot, but like, H-U, like in Hubie, you know? Yeah. I started laughing at <laughs> Warhammer Goblin again. <laughs> yeah, Warhammer <laughs> Goblin. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's an idea. That's a startup idea. Uh, Warhammer Goblin. I'm going to email him. I'm going to see if I, how much a license would cost. I'll give you 150 <laughs> bucks if I can have the license. To just, not even all goblins, just one goblin. Yeah, can I just make a mobile game? Oh my god! <laughs> a first, uh, what is it? A, a science-based goblin MMO? Oh my god! Is it MMO based around? <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh okay, okay, okay. Uh, everybody, uh, families out there, this one goes out to you because this has been the Motion Pixels podcast. Uh, I, your co-host August Meyer. Say goodbye. Um, uh, wait, no, that wasn't Adam Sandler. Uh, uh, goodbye. That wasn't Adam Sandler either. But uh, that's my goodbye. Uh, I'm joined by Matthew Rawlings, my lovely co-host. Matthew, say goodbye. And goodbye. <laughs> that was more Eric Cartman than Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, fuck, but, uh, I get. We appreciate get it. Get to an Adam Sandler voice. <laughs> uh, and uh, joined also by the current reigning baddest boy of comedy. Dane Kevin Cook. Dane, say goodbye. Goodbye, and uh, I'd like to dedicate this episode to uh, a celebrity that recently passed away, mm-hmm. the Ladybug from Bugs Life. What? Uh, not, not the actor, the the actual Ladybug. Here's a picture. <laughs> Put this picture up. This de- this podcast is dedicated to the Ladybug from Bugs Life. May he rest in peace. <laughs> that sucks. That's so that, sad. What is coming out of his nose? Ah, uh, shit. Just a big <laughs> piece of shit. Uh, okay. End theme song. I'm finished. Is that actually shit? I don't know. I was. What is that? <laughs> it, it does is look it like smaller, shit. I didn't want to say it's it. It's from though. the bloopers. Bug? I don't know. I, I think it is supposed to be shit because it looks like it. But the the bug's life at the end of the movie, there's like fake bloopers, and there's a part where he's like, "Oh, I have something stuck in my nose." And on upon closer inspection, I think it's just a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, it's probably it's probably from the poo poo platter. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, it is literally the poo poo platter. <laughs> the poo poo platter made of poo poo.